If you're good at something, never do it for free. Typhoon, y'all know me, and I'm coming up, just wait and see. If you're good at something, never do it for free. But if you're great at something, would you still agree? Typhoon, y'all know me, and I'm coming up, just wait and see. If you're good at something, never do it for free. But if you're great at something, would you still agree? So let me tell hey everyone, welcome back to Kevin and the Wu-Tang Clan. I am back from San Francisco recording this off of a red-eye flight, so might be a little bit tired, dreary, and like sounding tired, but I have Andrew Ramondi joining me as we break down part two, as promised from last week, the Western Conference um, preview podcast, but where else to start, Andrew, but But China. what? Yeah, but no, China, I know, right? <laughs> like, is there anywhere else to start? Yeah, man, and uh, I just got out of the movie theater. I went to see Joker on by myself on a Tuesday afternoon, and all I've eaten today is a bucket of popcorn, so we'll both have interesting energies. But yeah, um, why don't you kind of... Why don't you break it? I we probably did a bad job. Neither of us probably has pulled up pulled up the quote. But um, after our discussion, kind of on China last week and Daryl Morey and kind of the NBA's response, evolving response to that, you know, uh, we we figured we'd be coming back to this, but I I didn't necessarily think we would so soon in s- such a kind of. It almost seems like this has been the thing that's gotten the most like widespread attention be it like on twitter like what have you so yeah um yeah yeah so why don't i talk about the quote that lebron um pretty much I think it's being twisted a lot in the media in terms of like yeah, what I he think said. We sh- I think we should kind of start. Ju- ju- let's just get it out there. Oh, do do not have it. Uh, hold on. I do. I'm about to pull it up right now. Okay. I have it saved. Well, I I have the um, I think I have the basic gist of the original. Yep. So I have it saved. Okay. So the initial, t- like I guess, stuff that he was saying before the preseason game was um, this was between um, LeBron and the reporters before he had to play the Golden State Warriors in a preseason game. He goes, I don't want to get into a feud with Daryl Morey, but I believe he wasn't educated on the situation at hand, and, and he spoke. And so many people could have been harmed, not only financially, physically, emotionally, spiritually. So just be careful what we tweet and say, and we do. Even though, yes, we do have freedom of speech, but there can be a lot of negative that comes with that, too. So I think we should kind of start with, like, that. I think we should start by taking that tweet, like, as it is and then kind of zooming out a little bit. Right, Because I think it's important to say that, like, I sent this tweet to you, or I sent this quote to you last night, like, quickly after it had come out and basically said, like, well, we finally got a China take from someone. Like, it's LeBron, and, like, Mm -hmm. it's bad. And I think pretty much anyone is going to read that statement and they're going to la- and what they've latched on what I feel like people latch on to are two things one saying Daryl Morey is was misinformed which it's like what is the connotation of that and it's completely valid to wonder what that means does that mean you know he's mis Daryl Morey was misinformed about the Hong Kong protest does that mean he was misinformed about the, the impact prote- the yeah. impact you know etc cetera, etc cetera. And then the other thing that I think people just will latch on to is, like, him talking about the the 
the imp the implications of that and like what are those implications and what does LeBron think is important. So he very quickly like it blows up immediately and there's very quickly this like huge backlash and he tweets the following. Let me clear up the confusion. I do not believe there was any consider uh, considerations for the consequences and ramifications of the tweet. I'm not discussing the substance. My team in this league just went through a difficult week. I think people need to understand what a tweeter statement can do to others and I believe nobody stopped and considered what would happen. Could have waited a week to send it. Now I think that last sentence is kind of the next place to go from here because I'm finding as I discuss this with my friends in part and read stuff about it on Twitter, I believe that people aren't really understanding what that part of that tweet is referring to and kind of like what that could possibly mean because I do I don't think it excuses his tweet and we'll go or his statement necessarily or his stance as it were and we can talk about that but I do think it's important to realize like the context in which he was and what the way to week means because when my friends were talking about this in our group chat the first question was one of my friends saying like what does he mean by way to week like it comes off as very um kind of uh, flippant or something like mm -hmm. that, like, well, well, you're going to wait a week for free speech or whatever, but the fact of the matter is the Lakers and the Nets actually were in China. Do you want right. to so, kind of go into so that were, a little bit more? So they were in China to kind of... The, the NBA's been doing a lot of... Um, a lot of foreign game preseason games yeah. to kind of spread um, the NBA, um, I guess, message slash, like, brand. Brand. Um, but Lakers and the Nets were both in China uh, to play a preseason game when Maury ended up s sending out that tweet. And I don't think a lot of people understand and realize some of the things that could happen in China, let's say. And I, I thought it was pretty smart by the NBA to kind of limit the media availability yeah. for some of the teams and the players to kind of be talking about a situation like this where it could have had real implications in terms of let's say one of the guys makes a misstep in terms of what to say yeah um china like chinese officials could kind of come in and go in there and be like this is against what our government stands for yeah. and we're gonna arrest you or find you or do something like that yeah i could kind of go about doing stuff like that. So I think people have to understand that in the context as to where LeBron and some of the, the players were at, especially the Lakers and the Nets players in China, it could have been a pretty scary time mm -hmm. um, for them and their families um, in terms of whether or not these comments had implications for them moving forward uh, just like day by day as they were in China. Yeah, no, I agree. Um, You brought this up, I think, yesterday, and then one of my friends brought it up when we were discussing it today, like the LiAngelo Ball story from, like, what was that, a year or so ago? I think it was, like, two years ago. Yeah, two or three him years ago, getting yeah. uh, arrested in China and, like, how big of a story that was. And, and that what was he was basically saying was, like, imagine if, like, if LeBron, a Laker player, had gotten arrested or detained or something. Like, right. that would be the biggest sports story possibly of all time. Like, yeah. so... 
and another thing I wanted to add on to just like the kind of lists of facts, um, another thing that was reported, I think it was originally by Shams Charnia, but ESPN picked it up as well, is that there was this big meeting between like Ad uh, Adam Silver basically and like the players from the Nets and the Lakers. And apparently LeBron was the loudest voice in the room at this time. And he raised a number of concerns, basically one of which was like you were saying, like, what, how are we going to deal, how are we expected to deal with the media? So, but like reiterating what a rough position they were put in because of this, like mm -hmm. an 18 year old rookie is kind of like apparently what he, what he's going to have to like, you know, speak for the whole NBA and at risk of like doing damage to himself or, you know, what, right, right, what, right. what have you. Um, and I think there are other things to, to go to. I think we should stick with that. If you want to zoom out after that, I don't know if you have anything else to add on that. But I think once you think about that context, it it makes a little bit more sense. And the fact, but the fact of the matter is, LeBron James did not say what he should have said was, you know, I thought Daryl Morey put us in a rough position, the players who were over in China because of X, Y, and Z. Mm -hmm. I'm not critiquing the substance of his tweet at all, but unfortunately. It, it put us in a tough position, and I think going forward, you know, we should think more about those possible consequences. Right. I just thought it could have been worded a yeah. lot clearer and cleaner in in some well, ways. Well, and, and I do think it does beg the question of, like, kind of, like, it is certainly invited discussion about the broader implications of what he was saying. Like, you know, is LeBron James, you know, protecting his own financial interests and, and things of that nature. What do you make of, like, all of that? Because that seems to, as I'm looking on Twitter, and I'm, I think me and you have a more nuanced take on it, I kind of have a somewhat angry take that I'll, I'll get to eventually. Mm -hmm. But, like, if you want to find that take, it's all the way out there on Twitter. LeBron James is a hypocrite. LeBron James, you know, promotes free speech about the things he wants to talk about, but doesn't you know, w but doesn't want other people to speak up on things that could negatively impact him. He's telling Daryl Morey to shut up and GM, you know, et cetera, et cetera. Right, right. What, what did you make of all of that? Well, I think initially I kind of thought, oh, this is what it is. Like, that I was kind of leaning towards that side of things yeah. when I was hearing the, the comment come out. And then I kind of took a step back and thought, well, it doesn't, there's a lot more nuance to everything. And I think it's really easy for ESPN or one of these like big news media corporations to kind of take one, one tweet or one comment that LeBron made and kind of give that one comment the whole as to like basically his whole argument or his whole statement on what the situation is yeah. like when there's honestly a lot more nuance to it than and to all things in general i think that's kind of where like you know you could get into like fake news media all that type of stuff but i think lebron's it doesn't invalidate a lot of the stuff that he has done positively in his community and like you know, the building of the school and all yep. that stuff. Like, I think a lot of people kind of look at this tweet or look at this comment and say he's a hypocrite and they can kind of do that, but it doesn't take away all the good that he's done um, for his community. And I just think it would just, it would be intellectually lazy to kind of look at it and yeah. say, 
Yeah, he's a bad person. Yeah, now. I for think sa- for for stating what he stated. Yeah, I think I would even go beyond intellectually lazy. And when I see a lot of these critique critiques and like who they're coming from, especially either people who are like predisposed to not like LeBron already, or like you know your conservative kind of like Clay Travisy, the mm. president of Barstool type. You know what I mean? These conservative sports fans. Like I I read a lot of these critiques as bad faith, but I, I don't want to go there immediately because I do want to start from the premise that like LeBron in making this statement was possibly, you know, seeking to protect his own financial interests. Like we could even like go beyond the statement and say like LeBron probably won't speak out in favor of the Hong Kong protesters because of his own financial right. interests down the line. And I think that's probably true. I mean, f- for Christ's sake, the man's putting out Space Jam 2. What do you think the Chinese market share for that movie is? You know what yep. I mean? But uh, Shoes, I d- things like yeah, that. Yeah, exactly. There, there are all sorts of things. And do I think it's... Am I extremely disappointed that, like, he... W- that those things would prevent him from like speaking out affirmatively on behalf of the of the protests and possibly like hedging. Yes, I do find that disappointing. I would hope if I were in the same position um, that I would have the courage to, you know, do the same thing. But I don't think it's fair to like call. I've been seeing a lot of like even from like lefty, ty- you know, calling him like a coward or something. And, yeah, and I, which is interesting. I, I just don't really think that's a fair argument. Like, yeah. Because and here's why I just think if we can point out that there's an issue, but I just think we should point out how systematic the issue is mm-hmm. because LeBron James isn't the only person who's hedged. The entire NBA has hedged yep. to some extent. The entire NBA media has hedged to some extent. You're starting to see more and more substantive critiques of these things leak out. I think you and I, you pointed out to me, Zach Lowe did a great. It's like a 10 minute blurb at the beginning of his if podcast. If you guys want to, pretty like much a, like a better version, version of these of, yeah. takes, like go listen, listen to yeah, Lowe's listen to tent. That. Yeah. yeah. Um, you know what I mean. So it's not just him, and and the fact of the matter is, like I. You know, at some point, don't we just have to accept that, like, capitalism makes hypocrites out of all of us sometimes? Like, the fact of the matter is we all participate in things. And you know what I mean? That doesn't... LeBron is doing it on a different level, and I completely understand Mm -hmm. that. I'm not, like, whataboutin' away his comments. But, you know... We can't always expect, like, it's not fair to expect, like, ideological purity out of LeBron James when we don't uh, really expect that out of out of everybody else, you know? One more point I wanted to make, and then mm. you can respond to it also. Like, and in just going to the bad faith thing, it is, it, it's not even a political point, but it is something I wanted to get across. I remember when Colin Kaepernick was basically being, like, blackballed from the NFL, and a lot of my, like, centric, you know what I mean? Like, a lot of my very well you know, thoughtful people said to me, well, you know, the owners are just protecting their financial interests. Like, mm-hmm. they should be allowed to do that. Like, they shouldn't have to wade into these speech matters where they don't want it or where they don't right. affect their bottom line. So if you're the same people who apply that logic are now not allowing LeBron James the same, you know what I mean, mm-hmm. the same kind of allowance, which is that you should be people can speak out on some things and not others and it can be right or wrong but if you're going to grant someone that right it should be granted to everyone and it shouldn't invalidate all of the other parts of their you know worldview yeah and there's like a lot to unpack that you kind of talked about and it 
like the one thing that I remember, like I kind of texted you last night, my initial thing is kind of the response on Twitter and from other people about this idea of trying to be consistent with every yeah. every position that you take as a person, even like, and this is like taking a broader broader outlook on this, not just like NBA stuff, but when when you have a Twitter or like a social media following, having consistent, consistent positions on literally every single issue yeah. that don't conflict with one another is almost impossible yeah. to t- impossible to have if you're going to have a take on almost everything that's thrown out there because they're bound to kind of conflict at one part or another. And I think that's kind of where a lot of people nowadays, like when they're looking at our politicians, things yeah. like that, they want some type of consistency in terms of the positions that they're making. And when they see something like this, I think maybe that kind of rubs against one another and the interests, the economic interests that LeBron has in comparison to what he talks about with other things. And that's not that, not to say I agree with that, but that's just probably where a lot of people are coming from with like the lack of consistency maybe that they perceive to see. and I think that's kind of where, like, now you see all these politicians having a take on it, like, mm-hmm. where you see, like, w- you know, one of our local congressmen, like, kind of, like, drawing up that letter, all that type of stuff. Yeah. It, it's really just kind of interesting how it's bled into politics and now even, like, presidential candidates kind of have to have a take on it or something like that or, like... It it's just like, and it doesn't seem like it's gonna really go away either. No. Um, and maybe this is where we could kind of pivot and talk about some of the bigger, like, do a couple minutes on just like some of the bigger implications that it For had. Sure. And I think one of the points that I wanted to bring up is how big of a real financial impact this does have on the NBA. Just in terms of we kind of talked about like the contract that the NBA has with Tencent in terms of the streaming and and the l- loss in economic value that the NBA, NBA can kind of have and how that really affects players' pockets with um, the salary cap and their contracts. And there is being reports all the way from last week of 15% loss in salary cap. Yep. And that's like a significant portion of the salary cap and in terms of what that can do for contracts for for players that are expiring or in, in the in the next couple of years, that's a huge loss for a lot of these players. And I I can't help but wonder like what this means maybe just from like a pure like if you're a GM in this type of situation, like how you're thinking about planning for something like that. Yeah, I I think you raised a couple of good points. And I think that's another thing to just throw in the mix of like what LeBron could have been thinking or like trying to understand his perspective a little bit more because as an employee of the NBA, and it kind of also goes back to his like, well, what if a player said something like this? If a player said something that cost the league, and it should be pointed out, this seems to at least in on the China side of things, be dying down somewhat. Like there there's no evidence that like they're going to 
divest from the NBA right, completely right. still at this point. We're more talking about it as a hypothetical. Mm-hmm. But kind of this, you know, yeah, him as an employee of the NBA doesn't want the NBA to lose 15% of its revenue either. And that that's probably uh, filtering into things as well. But um, I thought you raised a good point as to two as to two things that we can talk about going forward. Um, the first is kind of like this idea of like, you know, how do people treat this going forward, if at all? And um, there was a great there was a great podcast that I was listening to before before you got over here today that Nate Duncan did with um, this guy Bill Bishop. He like writes about China, like he writes like a newsletter about Chinese mm. affairs, like particularly as it pertains to business and stuff like that. And he was talk he was quoting another Chinese scholar talking about how like kind of propaganda works in China and controlling the freedom of speech. And there's this thing called the anaconda and the chandelier. And it's basically this idea that, like, China doesn't have to tell people what to say and what not to say because there's this anaconda and the chandelier. There's this, like, thing hanging above you that you know if you fuck up is going to, like, swallow you up Mm -hmm. immediately. And it showed, like... That's what's happened here between the NBA and China. Yeah. It's not we've had our little kerfuffle, we've had our blow up, but the thing is the question is really like now this threat, who's going to be who wants to be the asshole that caused cost the league 15% of their revenue? Yep. And I think you've seen that in regard to people like Steve Kerr and you know Popovich. Popovich and like you could maybe argue LeBron to some extent. He you could just argue that he did a better job, a worse job of equivocating. Yeah. Um so I think that's that's one important thing to think about. Um I forget what the other important Oh, the other important thing to think about that I got from this Nate Duncan podcast is like the idea of when you think about these huh? and one other thing I wanted to do to uh. really shit on again which i did a little bit last week but this podcast really made me think of is the like this is a complex issue out that people Mm. have been taking you know there was i was arguing with you slightly about this bill simmons podcast he did last week yeah where he was like yeah man this is uh this is a really (laughs) complex issue it kind of reminds me of the 97 celtics where um but like talk and he was parroting like all these talking points that, that kind of like he was like, this is like if Hawaii were trying to ex- secede from the United States and talking about the extradition rule. And Bill, this guy, Bill, Bill Bishop, was talking about how those are kind of like verbatim, like Chinese propaganda talking mm, points, basically. That it's really more about like the uh, degree of autonomy mm. China can have over Hong Kong broadly as right. opposed to separate. Although there is certainly an element. But... um. The thing I wanted to say, I, I just want to do a quick aside on that. Like, I, I don't want to equivocate. Like, I think, obviously, the right moral stance is the pro-democracy, pro-free speech stance. Like, right. as we are discussing these things, I'm not saying that's not the right viewpoint. Mm-hmm. Um, but as we go forward, like, what if things get worse in Hong Kong? Like, you know, that's when things really become interesting. Like, what if China, like, there are some issues with, like, police brutality and things of that nature right now, which, you know, they're obviously terrible, but this isn't a full-scale conflict necessarily. Yeah. What if it, this might die down for a little bit, like, say, the, you know, the Tencent streams, everyone but the Rockets, like, Mm -hmm. maybe eventually the Rockets get back in the mix, you know, et cetera, et cetera. A few people get penalized, but they're... They're kind of they get out of the barrel to some extent. But like what if we revisit this two years down the line when when things get worse and 
you know, then maybe people are like, well, fuck it. Now I actually do have to speak or Say like something. People right? are getting the mic shoved in their face and they're like, I can't hedge on this any longer. Like, mm-hmm. it's interesting. Like, what if LeBron, I don't think it's going to happen because I think the nature of the news cycle and stuff like that. I was surprised it was still boiling over a little bit today. Yeah, like, I think like, the majority of the discourse was last night, but I still saw discussion of it today. Like, I think assume in a week it'll be gone but like what if he starts getting like booed in stadiums or something because like of that. that yeah yeah i don't think it'll happen but like let's imagine a world where like the backlash is actually stronger and more lasting mm-hmm. and he's like well it actually will hurt my personal brand more to be wishy-washy than uh, uh, then taking know. a strong stance I think on he, something yeah exactly and i think he'll go back and b- give an ap- like i'm sure he's workshopping an apology right now it might be too little too late but i think we will get a better version like i think we will get something closer i mean sort of what we were talking about earlier where he's more clear about and what he was he was, he was, ro- he was rolling it back already yes. when he was tweeting yes. about like what he actually meant yeah. by misinformation yeah. like he he already probably felt some of the the blowback on, on Twitter or whatever or social media, so and then he kind of cl- had to clarify what he actually exactly. meant by that. But but the point I was trying to make broadly is just like when push comes to shove, is there going to come a point where the NBA can't run from this any mo- longer? And when that happens, yeah, what's China's step? I, I wonder what the tipping point is yeah. in terms of like how bad does it have to get in Hong Kong for it to be like okay. Like, this is kind of a ridiculous, like, we can't hedge on this any further and we have to take a stronger stance on this is what we actually believe in. Or does the NBA just kind of say we're not a political or like a, we don't make political statements in that way. No, that's true. But but are you going to be able to stop your employees for, and you know, we talked about that, like the, how much of a different story this would be if Daryl Morey got fired. So there could, it could be a tipping point the other way too. What if, you know, Ennis Cantor comes out tomorrow and makes a pro China statement and gets Mm. like cut by the Celtics or something like that. Then you have a whole different level of scrutiny just coming from, from a different side. uh, The, the fact that people are saying that, the NBA is not a political or organization. By them even just saying that, it's a political statement. Of like, course. And I, I, I just think that you're not going to have a chance to be able to stay silent on it if something, if it rises to an occasion of where there's real bad conflict happening between the protesters and uh, China, yeah, like the police force over there. So... I'm I'm really interested to see and monitor how this ends up happening and like going. Um yeah, I think th- honestly I think the tipping point is like if there's actual like multiple casualties yeah. then I think it's going to be like all right, we have to say something. And the they were on this podcast they were talking about like what do you do if you're the NBA and it'll be interesting to see if like I wonder if behind the scenes the NBA doesn't start, like, going to its owners or, like, kind of trying to look at its business plan and be like, what is the contingency here? And how are we pivoting? Yeah. Maybe they're going to – this leads to the NBA saying, you know what, we're going to take less of our resources – in, uh, we're going to put less of our resources in China and focus on like these other markets we've been looking at, be that India. There was India, a preseason yep. game in India, you know, and other. The fact of the matter, like it's kind of that rough thing of like China is obviously the sec- 
you know, the second largest or largest market, you mm-hmm. know, for, for the NBA. But it's not necessarily the only one. It, there, It is unlikely, you know, the NBA theoret isn't going to necessarily crumble with China. So it is interesting to see, like, is there a point, like, it'll just be philosophically what they're, you know, I'm just reiterating. Like, I didn't how do really they need pivot, like, this. try to find, yeah, in either find way, resources. Yeah, going forward, like, because they have to develop, the point I guess I was making is they have to develop some sort of plan and what that plan ends up being will be interesting to see and i think we will see it down the line now one more thing before we go on do you want me to do my lebron yeah yeah meta narrative yeah, i was gonna and i was gonna actually tee it, tee it up, for it up? Okay, yeah, yeah sorry so you can edit this out no Here, no just no just tee it up no no like no it's okay that. so andrew had this brilliant i thought a really interesting take in terms of what lebron's i guess uncertainty or yeah my I'll lack just, of clarity exactly yeah. the point i was thinking of was like lebron one i don't think like the quote the pre-game post-game quote has ever been his strong suit i don't think he's a great like i think he's a fine public speaker in certain arenas but like that's never been his strong suit to me like you know being able to give a concise you know statement necessarily um, but my take was like his general media persona over the last like five to seven years has been passive aggressiveness, vagueness, you know, fit in, don't fit out, you know, that kind of stuff like and that people love to shit on him for like the Instagram captions, the tweets and like you never quite know what he's talking about. But at the same time, he's able to like push his narrative without ever actually having to come out and say this is what my narrative is and i said to you like is this the point where that actually comes back to bite him in the ass like is that is is that like you know what i mean we Mm. finally saw that method of posturing have some backlash and it's not all he does like you've seen things like the shop and uninterrupted yeah he's shown more of a you know even like you could argue taco tuesday like you've seen him kind of engage in more types of things where he's like putting himself out there a little Mm. bit more directly but there's always been this other side to it too and i wonder if like the kind of maverick carter like lebron uh paul brain trust kind of comes together and goes like hey maybe this isn't the best way for us to do business going forward because it could lead to like we've now seen it lead to like a pr disaster and we and we haven't really ever had before and i think one of the interesting things i kind of look back in history and think about people like someone like michael jordan yeah who never really made political statements yeah, famously be- famous republicans quote. by sneakers right, too. exactly yeah. So, like, there's that famous quote out there. So, maybe LeBron kind of rethinks his strategy. Um, it would be awesome to see him kind of take a take a stance like this, but maybe he rethinks his strategy going forward and uh, makes more of a clearer stance um, to maybe f- protect his financial interest. But I think it's w- this China situation is one of those situations that we'll probably be monitoring throughout the as the season starts and like whether or not just it just blows over after a couple weeks or it starts ramping up because other stuff in the news ends up kind of um, fanning the fires. So, Andrew, how long did we do on that? Thirty minutes. Yeah, I figured we'd end up going. So 30. not bad. That's cool. Not no, bad. So, fine. anyways, we're gonna do part two of our preview right now. So Western Conference yep. preview. Basketball, Andrew. baby. The NBA does start in a week. Which is fact. kind of crazy to think about. Um, I feel like 
there haven't been many previews out there. No, like, that I haven't I've, really seen which, much of anything. Which is kind of cool for us because, like Andrew was saying last last week and continuing on his comment, is that we we aren't, I guess, what is it, tainted by yeah, other exactly. people's ideas, and we could kind of come out there on our own and and give our takes on what we think about these teams. And I think this conference is the far more interesting sure. conference. And maybe we'll have a little bit of variability in terms of who we think are playoff teams. I don't know if you have any surprises, but we'll see we'll see kind of going yeah. through it. And in case people just haven't listened to our last one or like yep. might be listening to this for the first time because of like the China thing or whatever. Like they were interested in for some other reason. What we've done with our our um kind of pre-league preview, and this is the second year we've done this, is we do a wins draft. We go back and forth and draft teams that we think will finish high in the standings and, you know, accumulate the most wins. And we'll kind of keep track of that as the season goes on. We did the Eastern Conference last week where I have had the first pick. So now we're in the West and Kevin has the first pick. So without further ado, who, who are you taking to finish first in the West? First place in the West, I think this might be a little bit of a surprise for some people. Okay. I, I have a I'm who I'm guessing I I think you're gonna take the Lakers, but I'm not I'm not completely sure. The Clippers are my second guess. Nope. I'm going Houston Rockets. Okay, that's interesting. Um yep. now Westgate the I looked up the most current Westgate uh-huh. wins totals and they're actually they have the highest wind. I don't know if you came about no, this I on didn't, your own. I didn't That's look. very interesting. They have the highest like line on their wins Got right it. now at fifty four and a half. So, and I guess what this we did have variation because I have them fifth. So okay, that's All right. really Big. fascinating. So the reason why I say this, and I think a lot of people, what what we need to parse out here is regular are, season, regular season yes. versus postseason. Not to say that. Houston's going to have a bad postseason, but I don't, their ceiling is nowhere near as high as I would say the Clippers, the Lakers, and even maybe some other teams like Utah or Denver, like you mentioned. But just in terms of the regular season, I think they're going to really do, I think they're going to push it, like in terms of like really get after it. D'Antoni's like doesn't have time to kind of dilly dally and like, try try different things because he's on the last year of his contract. So yeah. he needs to have a really good season with this team. And I think the Russ Harden fit is the one I that's like the huge storyline, but I really like their depth. Like I like some like their other pieces. Um Harden's proven throughout the regular season and past seasons that he can carry a team regardless of like who's really around him. So I feel pretty good about this Houston team in the regular season. Now, postseason's a totally different story, but I think Russ and Harden, they're going to kind of have some type of magic. I'm a little worried about Russ's, like, shooting, obviously. Yeah. That's, like, the one storyline. Like, ultimately, who's going to have the ball in their hands is the really interesting part because Harden having the ball in his hands with Russ on the side spotting up isn't going to provide that much space spacing if Russ continues to have bad shooting uh, nights, especially this season. So that's the one concern I'm worried about, but I feel pretty good about them during the regular season. 
So I'm pretty compared to you. I'm I'm I would say I'm pretty down on Houston, considering that I put them fifth, despite them having the highest projected win projected wins total. But it wasn't necessarily because I think they won't be number one in the like that. I I certainly think they could be number one in the West. I actually, as I was going and doing this, they were my hardest team to uh, rank mm-hmm. out of the top out of the top five at least. Um, so they were second in offense last year and sixteenth in defense. Chris Paul is no longer on this team. Russell Westbrook is. But Chris Paul, I forgot to pull it up, but Chris Paul missed a decent amount of time last year. He played like 58 games last year. But this team finished fourth in the West last year. So I'm looking at those two numbers, second on offense, 16 on defense. And I'm looking and going, Russell Westbrook won't blow this offense up. Will he? Kind of like is is mm. is my idea. The reason that offense is so efficient is because James Harden's the most efficient offensive player, like arguably in history. And you know, this is going back to like our talking about when this trade came down. But like they added a player. Chris Paul was also a player who demanded the ball in his hands, but just you know, to me was just a slightly better fit than Westbrook has only had the ball in his hands his entire career. Mm -hmm. So there's just a question mark there. And I've, as we've done this, the interesting thing, as we've done this exercise now for two years, I've realized like, I think I value like not as many question marks. Like when I I tend to go with teams that I think have like a higher floor as opposed to a higher ceiling. Mm -hmm. So that's something that worries me. And what about the defense? Chris Paul's an underrated defender. He didn't play the uh, the whole majority of the season last year, but he's fit into that switching scheme decently well despite his size. Russell Westbrook on the other hand has shown really no uh, defensive predilection for for even trying on defense mm. as it as his career has progressed. So d- does that change from having one decent defensive guard in your backcourt to two bad defensive defense? defensive guards despite Harden being slightly underrated as a defender in my opinion is is that a problem and and my last problem is like they don't have a lot of depth to me like they mm. barely cobbled together an eight-man rotation last season yeah and you've seen them bringing in guys like Anthony Bennett who didn't make the team but like Ben McElmore Gerald Green got out. injured and is yeah. probably out for the season Cephalosha is going to be now. I will on. say now. I will say Maury has shown a, a good ability to bring in guys via buyout or like off the street. Um, Daniel House has been one of those guys. Yeah, you know he'll probably start for them this year. But but I wonder if if that could be a recurring problem. Now I think a possible solution to that is staggering Westbrook and Harden a decent amount. And I think that could solve two problems in one kind of the depth issue because you're always going to have one kind of of a dynamic guy on the floor who can initiate the offense. And the second kind of problem it could solve is the problem of what does Westbrook do? Mm -hmm. Well, he does his own thing because he's not always playing with Harden. Despite that, though, I just I just see some some potential for problems fitting early on so i defaulted to teams that i thought would have better success from the get-go so i i i had them ranked a little lower but i think they'll be a a a top five team in the west for sure and wouldn't be surprised you're gonna look really really smart if they finish first and i i wouldn't be necessarily surprised so here's i guess there to even just to start off there's the variability right there uh in terms of the difference between the Western Conference and the Eastern Conference. So let's go to pick number two, Andrew. 
Who do you have number two? So after saying like, oh, I value, you know, the consistency and all that stuff, <laughs> I actually <laughs> did pick a team that is really new, but it's one that I, I just feel more confident in gelling together right away, and I picked the L.A. Clippers. Okay. So that's that's my – I had them ranked number one on this board, and they're, uh-huh. and they're my second pick here in our in our little draft. Um they at fifty three wins per Westgate. Sorry, I'm trying to keep track of who we were each picking. I I got him all so tracked. To me, so. it's when I look up and down the roster, I I'm struck by how deep they are, and you know the concern that jumps out right away when you're looking at this team is like Kawhi Leonard and Paul George and like load management. Like given how Kawhi was treated on the Raptors last year, like is 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 he going to be playing night in and night out and how much is this team going to care about regular season success? But I think this ga- this team can win a lot of games on nights where Kawhi or Paul George is resting. You have you still have the goon squad. You have Montrez Harrell and and um and obviously Lou Williams who are were integral to their success I think last year. You have Landry Shamet on this team. You have Jamichael Green on this team. You have Rodney Magruder on this team. You have Maurice Har- Harkless on this team like who I think is is worthwhile because, like, on a night where Kawhi isn't starting, like, you can roll with Shamit and and Harkless and George, you know, or whatever. Right, right. I think, as of right now, their starting lineup has all three of those guys in it, which I think could be really, really interesting. Um, so that's kind of where I'm operating from the premise of. You have Kawhi and Paul George, two really, really efficient guys, um... I, I like the way this defense is going to look. They're, they were 21st in defense last year, and I think that's the most interesting question here is, like, how good is that defense right away? Because if between Harkless, you know, Harkless, Patrick Beverly, Kawhi, and Paul George, like, if that's a top seven defense in the NBA, I, I really that. like their chances. Yeah. Um, if, if for some reason they take a little bit of time, I, I think then their ceiling's a little bit lower. But the other thing is, there are a couple things, and then we can turn to you. Mm-hmm. Kawhi and George are both 30% usage guys, so is there my turn, your turn potential there? I think there's a possibility. But when I just look at this team, given how much the, the Raptors were, uh, you know, second in the East last year, I just see a team that, like, I feel like Kawhi can slot into. Like, I don't feel like he's going outside of his comfort zone compared mm-hmm. to what he, he did in, in – um, in Toronto last year. And the other thing is it's important to remember, like, Kawhi was really, really good last year, especially in the playoffs, but he wasn't, um, he wasn't like an MVP candidate necessarily. But I think he's genuinely looked at as a top five guy in the league. So if this year, like, people just assume that he's going to, like, continue to kind of do the same low management thing, but there's also a possibility that, like, even if he doesn't necessarily play 75 games or what have you, that he's willing to do a little bit more out there. Like, he's more comfortable on the court, you know, he's more comfortable being a a dominating force. And it's possible that Paul George, I mean, Paul George is probably the best player he's he's ever played with I mean maybe Tim Duncan in in his best days but like we haven't seen what having another great wing on the floor possibly can unlock for him and and the same for Paul George as well so I'm just looking at all those things and I'm feeling good you know it's kind of a gut feeling to some extent but I think they're they're built for for success both in the regular season and the playoffs and I'm just kind of rolling with the team that I feel best about in terms of their overall theory. Yeah, I, I mean I had LA number two. Okay. Um but I the one concern is George, I think, coming back from his yeah, shoulders stuff yeah. and like yeah who 
I don't know when he comes back. Like, is it been? Rep- I don't think it's been reported. I think he's missing the first two weeks of the yeah, regular yeah. season. Is the, is as far as we've gotten at this point. But I think they're super conservative with both of them in yeah. terms of playing time, just because they know what they have for the playoffs, and they this team is just built for the playoffs. I think like you throw both of those guys out there in term just defensively, and all, they're two of the best two way players in the league, and. I don't know. I, I I'm a little concerned as to like for the regular season how much they play them, and I could kind of see both of them playing like 65 games each. And is that enough to kind of you know drive the? Is it is it enough for them to be the second best or the best team in the league? I'm not exactly sure. Yeah, no, and that's definitely like, true. Th- in terms in of the that, motivation. And I, I think yeah. I tried to outline that. In my pick, I'm arguing that I think they will be good when one of them's not playing. I think it'll be similar to the Raptors last year. Right, right. Like, it's it's looking at that kind of model. Now, of course, the West is going to be a tougher battle night in and night out. But other teams in the other teams in the at the top of the West are going to have similar problems, be it the Lakers, how are they going to load manage their two guys, mm-hmm. even the Rockets. Westbrook gets hurt usually for a for a two or three week stretch True. every year. You know those are those are concerns every team is going to have to some extent. So obviously those are the big concerns. But you know when I'm looking at the construction, I don't think they're going to completely punt it. Especially, you know you could make the argument that this team doesn't have that big of a window. This team's only on three year contracts. Yeah. So are and you know Doc Rivers to me strikes me as a fairly conventional coach who mm-hmm. who will want to win games in the regular season. So I'm hoping that those things can be sort of a counterweight. Yeah. All right. Pick number three. Yep. I'm actually taking a book in the Ramondi playbook of going for consistency. Wow, I think floor. you're going to steal my number two here. Uh, Denver Nuggets. Yeah, they were my number two. I think that's a good pick. Yeah, I I just really like their team and like what. And they've kept pretty much all of their players from last yep. year in a, on a team that was really, really good in the regular season. Plus, like, they have that added, like, variability of who, like, does Michael Porter Jr. show something? Yeah. Um, Jeremy Grant, yep. who I thought, I thought that pickup was a brilliant pickup in terms of the versatility it gives them defensively in ter- and i think they were hurt a lot by that in the playoffs with portland um kind of jokic was a little bit exposed defensively um and i think it's a good contingency plan if millsap ever gets hurt something like that as millsap gets old up there in age i just think that denver has really good depth and just they're they're one of those teams regular season wise I think they'll get better and better and it really is based on the improvement of Jokic and Murray and how that tandem is able to send and really be able to take like does Murray take the next step in terms of making a push for an all-star berth um does Jokic become that MVP candidate that I think a lot of Denver Nuggets fans are really hoping for. Defensively, I don't think a lot of people think maybe they're worse because Jokic is kind of anchoring that center position. And I was looking at their defensive rating. They're 10th in the league. Not bad at all. So if they're able to 
hover around ninth, tenth, eighth, and then really keep it up offensively. Yeah, I really like this team, um, and I wouldn't be surprised if they finished number one in the West. Yeah, either. So they had they were they were second on my board, and like you hit on a lot of things that consistency. You know, bringing all their guys back. I think they're going to be competitive night in and night out and like might value winning games more than some of these other teams you hit on another thing by player i i kind of was looking at the three as a position that's interesting for them like will barton started a lot of games mm-hmm. last year but teared all, tailed off in the playoffs who's starting at the three is it barton is it tory craig is jeremy grant getting a look there even though he's probably a little bit more suited to the four you know does he start to kind of like play over Millsap as time goes mm-hmm. on? And then you brought up Porter Jr. as kind of a wild card as well. Another thing I wanted to hit on, Joe Jokic. I think you're absolutely right. I was looking at MVP odds on William Hill, and I think I would pick Giannis to be the MVP this uh-huh. year again, just because like I think we talked about this last week, but I think they might win a shit ton of games. Like they might just be the best team in the yeah. league by far. But if I'm looking at a second guy, like I kind of like the idea of Jokic at plus sixteen hundred. Because, like, Good if they're number one, like, the point you just made, like, they could be number one in the West. Especially and if they're the number, gauntlet And if the they're West. number yeah. one, if they emerge as the number one in the West, given that all the, you know, when the narrative's mm-hmm. like, oh, all these teams added star power, but it's the Nuggets who yeah. are, you know, I think, I think Jokic will have a really, really good case there, and I like that a lot. But just to, just to kind of talk about the flip side for a second, um, so this team was second in the West last year. But they overperformed their point differential by four games. Like, they were second in the West, but they had the point differential of, like, a fifth seed. So -hmm. they were slightly lucky. You could argue that maybe this team isn't... You know what I mean? Maybe you could just argue that maybe this team overperformed a little bit last year. And with the increase in talent in the West, you'll see them kind of regress to where they actually are. But honestly, you know, that's kind of and I think that's the counterfactual. But I kind of almost like the fact that they overperform their point differential. I think there are always teams that do that every year consistency like you look at a team like the Blazers who who's done that in the past yeah I think the, I'm trying to think there was an e, the Memphis Grizzlies used to do this in the past all the time during yeah. their heyday and those were teams that had a lot of regular season success and faltered in the playoffs but mm. we're but we're looking at regular season right. success here so uh, I think that's a very good pick their Westgate odds were off 53 and a half which actually put them at tied for second with with the Utah Jazz however I am not taking the utah jazz Ooh, okay i'm taking the los angeles lakers okay so i had them third where did you have them i had them fifth okay yeah so that's that's fair and 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 interesting um what's overrated to me about the la lakers for the uncom up uh, los angeles lakers for the upcoming season is how their offense to work like we don't need the 2014 spurs here we need the 2014 heat like mm. LeBron James or Anthony Davis has the ball and their gravity allow and they either do something good and score or their gravity allows someone else to score. Whether that's LeBron James or whether that's someone like, you know, Danny Green or, you know, Kyle Kuzma or or mm-hmm. what have you. They address the shooting problems that they had last year and their and obviously the mid concern now is ball handling, but kind of the point I was trying to make is like you don't necessarily LeBron James led teams have never had these like elaborate 
offensive schemes with Norris a ton of Cole. a, a <laughs> like, ton of ball handlers. Yeah, exactly. It's like based on the the gravity, like I was saying before. What I think is slightly underrated though is health. Anthony Davis played 75 games the last two seasons before the last one, but only 54 last year and had problems in the past. Um, and I think this team is actually a little bit more predicated on playing both of their stars, which is why I had the Clippers above them. Like on a night where LeBron James is out or Anthony Davis is out, I'm a little bit more nervous about their chances of winning. Mm. Um, and, you know, as LeBron gets older, you know, what how many games is he playing in any given season and what does he look like in those games is a little bit of an open question but the fact of the matter is i'm looking at this i'm looking at this team and i'm like these are two top 5 players and i think they're going to you know i i'm banking a little bit on like not necessarily the deferential LeBron thing, because I'm not sure what a deferential LeBron will look like but i'm banking on LeBron say thinking like i'm banking on this being a team that isn't content to just like kind of be okay because I think that making the splash for Davis and all and how fraught that whole kind of circumstance was and how long it's been since a Laker team was good is going to is going to motivate them to kind of push to be good night in and night out and I I think you know LeBron I just think this team's a little bit undervalued honestly I was surprised to see them they're over under at 50 wins and I certainly see the problems there. I think that the lineups they trot out from night to night are going to be very interesting. D- are we seeing a team that starts Kuzma, LeBron, and Anthony Davis is interesting. Do we see a team that closes with a center that's not Anthony Davis on the floor is interesting. But Vogel apparently so far has had the offense looking pretty good, and that's the where where we're starting here and where what I'm feeling best about. Yeah, I'm worried about and that's why I have them fifth, but I'm worried about their lineups. Yeah. Like what is the like and this is what we've talked about like ever since they've gotten Davis. Yep. Who like the best lineup is probably Davis at the five and then LeBron at the four yep. with Kuzma not playing or maybe just like hey, stand in the corner, yeah. spot up for three. And then Danny Green, and then whoever else you want to put at like point guard, but I, that's what I'm concerned about. I just don't know like how that fit of LeBron, Kuzma, and Davis is gonna work itself out. Work itself out, and does Kuzma just kind of like be the bench player that plays 25 minutes? Like, and are there enough minutes out there in preferred positions for Kuzma to kind of? grow and really fit himself in that team like not to say that he's anywhere near the level of Chris Bosch's like talent or play but he's going to have to be the one that sacrifices the most out of obviously the most out of those three guys and what is he gonna I I just think he's gonna stand in the corner and shoot like shoot threes which maybe not might not be but a problem. But my retort to that is, yeah, that I don't think it's yeah. that much of a problem. Right, right. I think Kyle Kuzma, like his best value in the league is like as a six man, basically, mm-hmm. and that that might end up being what he is. I think on the best version of when I'm picking them, like it's because I'm hoping they'll go that route because yeah. I think their best version is like of themselves is like LeBron and Anthony Davis with like Danny Green and you know even like an Alex Caruso, like other yep. guys. 
other guys that can shoot, and then, you know, these bench units with Rondo and Kuzma that can just kind of stay afloat, and that Kuzma's... Yeah, exactly. Yeah, We're yeah. talking too much about Kuzma. I yeah, kind yeah, of fell sure. off a cliff there, well, but... For the and I guess the only other concern is injuries, and that's for like, sure. Uh, that's maybe some of where I was a little bit concerned about. Like LeBron got injured sig- like significantly for the first time in his career last season. Is that a fluke or is that like a sign of things to come? And then Davis, like just like even the injury to his thumb, you're just like, all right, like yeah. is that just like the start of like all these injuries piling themselves up and. And maybe them kind of being a little bit more conservative. And, with and those you know, guys. it was it was my concern to some extent. But then when I went and looked and saw that he actually like that he played seventy five games oh, yeah. the last two seasons, I was like, huh, maybe this reputation of him always getting injured is actually a little bit un- unfair. And and to make the to make a point, another point in your favor for the Lakers is I think a lot of people are just forgetting how good Anthony Davis is because that's of kind of what I'm banking because on because of how all the stuff went down last year and his like trade demands and things like that. I just think a lot of people have a sour taste in their mouth from all the all the trade antics yep. that ended up happening and people are just don't really remember like this guy averaged twenty six points like 12 rebounds, four assists a game, like on a team that wasn't a good fit around. And I'm very interested to see because like when another rationale I was having in picking this team is like, what were the Lakers problems last year? To me, it was like the lack of shooting around LeBron and their defense. And I think they address both of those things. And defensively, I think it'll be really, really interesting to see the impact that Davis has because He's going to change a lot. People have shit on LeBron so much over the years, like for his like increasing defensive kind of or, or decreasing defensive attentiveness. But he doesn't have to be that guy anymore. Anthony Davis can be the defensive focal point, and you can like stick LeBron on the worst player and have him, you know, wander around and do LeBron things, you know. And we might see him be engaged in a different way as a result of those things. Totally. So I just want to say how weird it is that Dwight Howard's on this team. But yeah, that other is true. Th- other than that, like it's it's just a weird thing. <laughs> just Will he be on that. the team by Christmas? I I don't we'll know, see. but yep, yeah, he's slated to start, I guess, right now or Javale McGee. So we'll see. Um, fifth in the West, I have the Utah Jazz. Yep. Um, I actually had them fourth. I ab- have them fourth as yeah, well, above the Lakers. So, I. I think a lot of this is the team that I think a lot of NBA insider type of people really like with the Conley edition. Yeah. And I like it, but I just don't like them as much as the other four four teams that we were talking about before. And I think the reason why um the reason why is I, I do like what Conley does. I just am a little bit concerned about some of the depth behind them. Like, can Dante Exum stay healthy f- to the point where, like, he's spelling, um, spelling Donovan Mitchell and Conley. Conley's getting up there in age. And the one concern that I do have for them is, like, Bogdanovich was signed from the Indiana Pacers, that solves a lot of their shooting problems from three. He shot like 42% from three last year, 40% from three the year before that in 2017. So we know he's a good shooter and can space the floor. 
I'm a little bit worried defensively. Like a lot of the elite three, like big wings, like LeBron, like Paul George, like who's going to guard those guys. And that's like the big concern for me as they kind of go, maybe think about making a deeper playoff run, but like, defensively they're really good like i think they're number one last year i have them in or, two or but two yeah i think they were number one or two um in defensive rating um yeah go bears there i really like that <laughs> davis signing like yeah who's like a really competent backup x net x portland trailblazer who's really good at his role um yeah but i think conley mitchell and like what that looks like because they had Mitchell had Mitchell had the ball in his hands a lot last year last year and he was asked to create a lot more and I wonder what that's going to look like with Conley having the ball I think they're pretty interchangeable yeah um but I wonder if it changes some things and if it looks different because Conley can actually shoot in comparison to Rubio yeah um so I had them fourth as well they're projected for 53 and a, and a half per Westgate. Um, they were 11th in offense last year, which I found interesting. But um, Quinn Snyder's offense kind of is very well regarded in the NBA. Like, it's a lot of cutting, a lot of passing, you know, a lot of kind of like dribble handoff type stuff. And it's just engineered to get buckets, especially in the half court. But I think the thing that's interesting is like, I'm looking at this lineup like a projected starting lineup of like Conley, Donovan Mitchell, Bogdanovich, Ingles, and Gobert. And I just really, really like the way that looks. Yep. And I think that's a starting unit that can be one of maybe the most effective lineups on in the league and can make it so that the offense doesn't have to come from the, the scheme as much as just talent. And I, I think that's possibly a way a way they improve to some extent. I actually kind of like their bench when I'm looking up and down it. I like jo- uh, Jeff Green, Davis, Royce O'Neal, Exum, like you mentioned. You have Emmanuel Moutier on this team. And in, in regard to your concern about who handles the ball when Conley's not in the game, like I wouldn't be surprised if that answer is just Donovan Mitchell. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like if it's kind of like that old school thing they did with Lillard and McCollum where mm-hmm. it's like, you know, the, the starting unit plays for four minutes. Donovan goes out to take a break, and then Conley comes out, and he comes back in, that, that kind of thing. And I, I think that could, be, that could be fairly effective. Now, the reason I had them fourth and not third over the Lakers, that was, like, probably my biggest question in the, in the ordering of things. They're kind of more intangible questions. This is a team – like, this is a team – I think I picked them second in, or – no, I must have picked. I think I picked them third, third. in the West yeah, last year, and then third. they underperformed. Like I feel like I, Pete, the NBA gets burnt. Like the Jazz are always the darling team, the darling team, the darling team, and they've never quite lived up to it, which makes me a little wary. They've been slow starters, notorious over slow. the past few yep. years. Like they pretty much are always five hundred as you get towards Christmas time, and then they pick it up. So if they they those problems continue, you know you're starting in a hole for the purposes of a of a wins draft. Um, and my other pr- thing is just like Conley. What are, are we getting fifty games out of him? Like that is not a guarantee by any mm. by any stretch of the imagination at this point in his career. And if he goes down, then you're looking at pretty much the same team as last year, minus Rubio. Like yep. and you're looking at those same issues with like possibly Donovan Mitchell's ball handling, offense initiation capabilities, and mm-hmm. and things of that nature. So uh, it's kind of like one of those things, I think it, it goes back to my overarching philosophy. 
of like the kind of like I'm I want to see it before I believe it to some extent on paper really really like it a lot and I I think the the practical um problems do have possible answers but I I'm not confident enough in them to to highly rate them but I am confident enough to think they're a lock for the playoffs yeah certainly like, and if Conley ends up showing up like this team could challenge for number one in the yeah, west for sure. i think yeah. it, like in terms I of i think the any season. of these teams we've mentioned so far could be number one in the west yep. for yeah. sure i, I wouldn't think be after, surprised i actually do think after this team i think this is the first tier of the west and then you have the next three teams that, or maybe four yep to five in a tier together yep totally agree so let's move on pick number six andrew who do you have here you know what i'm taking the blazers okay um, and okay I Interesting. Feel, you know, actually, as this has been an intro, I mean, th- I don't think it's really that crazy of a pick. They're projected for 47 and a half per Westgate and them and the Warriors were tied for like the next best team as as per that metric. Yeah. Um. Did you not have them six? Who did you have? Six? Well, did you not have them six? And then we can save it. Did not have. them. OK. Six. And I, you know, as we were getting ready to like put this together, I was like. I was feeling a little bit down on the Blazers, and I was like, I wouldn't be surprised if I had them seventh or maybe eighth. But then I, I looked at the, the other teams and was like, I think this team can be better in, than than those teams. Mm-hmm. Fourth in offense last year, 17th in defense. And my question is, like, Yusuf Nurkic isn't playing until at least 2020. I wouldn't be surprised if he, if he doesn't play at all. Like, I'm not considering him to be that much of a factor. Mm-hmm. So I'm thinking, can they stay within five of those categories and in, in both like can they be between fourth and ninth in offense and 17th and 22nd defense and at first blush i was more worried about the defense nurkic uh was tw- top 20 like it is impossible to overstate how good he was for them last year mm-hmm. he was top 25 in espn's real plus minus metric mostly due to his defense in which he was 14th but Hassan Whiteside was seventh. So, you know, like he has his limitations defensively. He's a different type of defensive player than Nurkic is. But um, Terry Stotts' scheme is very favorable to centers, and I could see him actually doing a pretty good job in, in that role. But as we go on more and more, I'm actually a little bit concerned about the offense. Um, Hassan Whiteside was extremely negative offensively, whereas... Um, Nurkic was slightly positive. Hassan Whiteside does not have the playmaking capability of use of Nurkic. Like, in that pick-and-roll type game, he's not getting it and then finding a driver, probably, where Nurkic was. And you can't give Nurkic the ball at the top of the key. I can't tell you how many times last year I watched Nurkic get the ball, kind of stand there, and then, like, drop it off to a cutting C.J. McCollum for a Mm -hmm. back. That happened at least once a game minimum, and that's not really going to happen anymore. Preseason has me a little bit worried about about this as well as as I watch. Like I see some positives. Like I really really love the way Kent Bazemore is looking. I think he's a welcome addition to this team and will be a great six man or possibly even a spot starter at the three position. Uh, but I do s- wouldn't be surprised if it takes some time for the offense to gel with the, with the introduction of of Whiteside. But I do think it is important to state that like while the loss of Mo Harkless and Alfred Camino could have some impact, especially defensively. That's where the defensive drop-off is more more likely to occur. I think 
it's going to be refreshing and really, really fun at some points of the year to watch the increased amount of playmaking and shooting on this team, be it from, you know, be it from Kent Bazemore, be it from possibly Anthony Simons on the bench, you know. Um, I, I think this team, ju- and, you know, obviously, the one other thing I wanted to say, I'm sorry, I'm rambling, but this is no, the go team ahead. I know go the ahead. most about. Yeah. CJ McCollum, I don't think had a very good regular season last year. I actually think Col- uh, how good Nurkic was made up for that. Like, I'm pretty surprised that they were fourth in offense. So if CJ McCollum is better on offense this this season, I think that goes a long way in, in keeping things afloat as well. So kind of like that's my idea here, like that I like them. I, oh, I still like their consistency, like just when it comes to that core of CJ and Dame. I like they knock on fucking wood, but they stay healthy. Yeah. They're going to try and win every night. They do not load manage their guys. They pretty yeah. much play Damian Lillard 75 games a year for the most part. Mm-hmm. So I think they will do that. And I think they're going to, even if there is some progression, regression, remember I'm picking them sixth here. Like I, I like, I just think they're making the playoffs and I, I, I like them in this spot. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm pretty, I'm a lot more down on them. Th- oh, don't than, get me wrong, though. Um, I'm extremely down on them. Yeah. I just think they're going to make the playoffs, and I like them. I don't like the Warriors at all, and I like them more than the Spurs. Yeah, like, I mean, that's kind of my, my rationale so, here. So one of my points was, first point I had was, let Andrew have the floor with with the <laughs> with the Trailblazers, regardless yeah, of was, who chose them, because <laughs> like, you definitely know more than me about them. I'm... I think you pointed at a lot of the things that I'm a little concerned about. Yeah. Like the defensive versatility is has me concerned in terms of who's gonna like the four. Oh yeah, five. Yeah, like so who's I, gonna guard a big wing problem is is completely true. It's gonna be Rodney Hood. Yeah, or Zach Collins, depending on how big they are. Yeah, and that's the concern. I'm I'm concerned about that. The fit of just like. This team isn't as versatile as last year, and they no. can't throw a lot. They can't throw as many lineup combinations um, that I'm a lot more excited about. Like, I think Collins can be a really good player for them, but ideally his position's the five. Yeah, and I don't know. Like, if if Collins's best position's the five, Whiteside's probably on the Whiteside's on the bench. Who's gonna play the four? Anthony Tolliver, or is it just shifting up Rodney Hood at the four and then base? It'll be at a mix three? of it'll be a mix of those things. I think you're gonna get I think you're gonna get some Tolliver. I've not liked the way Tolliver looks in no. preseason. He is a defensive non end. Like all no. respect to Anthony Tolliver. I'm glad he's on this team as a as a kind of like floor veteran. Spacer, yeah. yeah, floor spacer and just good veteran presence. The chemistry of this team looks really, really good from the start outside of arguably maybe Whiteside. Mm-hmm. But I think there are a lot of good personalities in that room. Regardless, I'm sorry to but I think it'll be sometimes Tolliver, sometimes Hood. Uh who else did you mention? And then and then sometimes Mario Baze, Hood, yeah, uh, Baze more and I don't think Bazemore will ever I think Mario Hazonia is a possible fo- occasional four and, as well. And, and, and then th- don't forget about Pau Gasol playing backup center eventually, which will allow Collins to play the play the four more probably yeah and i think my concern i think you kind of pointed it out there like there's a couple like unknowns in terms of who they're going to be relying on yeah um coming off the bench like simon's kind of showed stuff last year like signs of things 
but can he do it on an every night consistent basis? Because it looks like he'll be probably the the pa- backup point guard to Dame. I Not, don't think that's true. I think CJ is. Go- I'm I'm sorry. I yelled no, no, a little yeah, bit. Yeah. I think CJ is going to go back to being a little bit more of a backup point okay. guard, and you're going to see Simons playing with either Dame or CJ most Got of the it. time, okay. which I actually like a lot because Simons, especially in this, pre- has shown himself more to be a pure scorer. Like his shooting has been like pretty incredible mm. so far from summer league on so i'm actually very big on on simon's just like being a serviceable backup um but yeah i think he'll be mostly a backup too yeah keep yeah going no i was I'll just worried about simon agree. like the yeah. un the I unknown have as a of bullet simon's. point collins and simon's like unless this team makes a trade which i think is also important to point out yep. that they don't have a four necessarily, but when you look around the league, like be it from a team like the Knicks, be it from the Thunder, like the people who are possibly going to be sellers, there are a lot of those players available, yep. and this team is not going to hesitate to you know give up a first round pick to a, to acquire someone. Yeah. Of course, like that could be that might not be until you know the trade deadline, but um, you know what I mean. I think that. It's not necessarily a given that and you're going to have to just rely on Collins. And also the, the white year. side, white side expiring, I think could be a real, yeah. like a really good trade piece for them, especially if like they're comfortable enough with like giving him up, knowing that Nurkic is on the way back. Pow is kind of like gonna mitigate some the loss of Whiteside, and yeah. they're like. I don't know. They like, have a lot of guys to kind of throw out, and they just need some of them to work. Is, right, right. Is kind of the one encouraging thing about about those problems that that you're mentioning. Yeah. And uh, I I just wanted to point out, like, I have a bullet point that says Collins and Simons are going to be huge. Like, I think Collins is, and his ability to play the four is like that thing that like kind of like determines where their where their ceiling is but at the end of the day it's important to like i'm not picking them to win 50 games even here necessarily mm, i'm picking them to win for you know what i mean to be yeah to win 47 and 48 and be a solid team and the fact of the matter is if any team in the nba has shown their ability to do that over the last four years it's them now is there a chance we're we're sitting here in you know march or whatever and i'm like how the fuck could i have been so wrong like mm-hmm. Yeah, it's possible, but like that happens when that happens. The, uh, it has to kind of happen for me to believe it. Yeah, I, for me, I ultimately had them like eighth, seventh around there. Like yeah. maybe, mi- like, and I was contemplating whether they should miss the playoffs yeah. and things like that. But I ultimately had them in probably, I think I had them at like seventh ultimately yeah. because I just kind of trusted in Dame, CJ. Maybe I'm hearing so much of Portland Trailblazers talk from you and I'm kind of like influenced by that. But I, I kind of was just like, I think they're good. Those two guys are good enough to carry yeah. this team to no. set to 47 48 and i think that's how i feel too to some extent like i am concerned don't get me wrong but at this point like i it's hard for me to count them out in Mm. in this era until until like i said it actually happens totally so moving on seventh pick i had this team actually sixth above um portland i have the golden state warriors yeah i had the mafe yeah i I think Steph is going to have an unreal season this year. Um, So could I jump in? I'm sorry. I may be getting a little too out to ask you a question. 
Where do you think among players, in terms of their MVP odds, is Steph Curry ranked? Uh, is it just like so? Like I'll say, Giannis is the favorite to win MVP. Yeah. Do you think Steph's the the fifth favorite, the fourth favorite, the seventh favorite? The is he third? He's second. Yeah. Which is pretty wild. Mm. Yeah, that is I pretty wild. I just wanted wild. to point that out. He's I, at plus three fifty, whereas Giannis is at plus three hundred. Mm. I didn't. I didn't foresee that. Maybe I. I was thinking maybe third or fourth, but like it, it's plausible. Like hit this whole narrative is there for him to kind of take and prove himself as the as the MVP of the league. If he has like an unreal season and they finish somewhere like fourth or third, like he's probably going to win the MVP unless Giannis just goes insane where like they are by far the best team in the league. Um I don't know if I really see them finishing third or fourth, but like Steph is probably one like I and I think seeing them and their rotations um live when I went to the game at the Chase Center, it was a beautiful stadium. Um it was really like he scored forty in twenty four minutes yeah. during that game and I was just like blown I was blown away at how good he was. Yeah. Like just in person watching him just space the floor, like taking ridiculous shots. Like on TV, it's like, wow, that was a ridiculous shot. And then like in person, you're just like, why is he shooting that? Oh my God, that's in. Yeah. And it, it was just like an incredible like thing to see uh, live. I think he'll be really, really good this year. Like, um, like unless he gets hurt, like I don't really foresee him having a really bad year at all. I think Draymond is going to be more of the same. Like, he's not going to do much of anything. Like, defensively, they're going to ask him to do much. Obviously, they have my guy, D'Angelo Russell, um, who I think the offensive fit between Russell and Curry, and I think I think Curry's going to play a little bit more off-ball, actually, um, and kind of play a little bit more of the Clay Thompson role of – kind of running off some screens mm-hmm. and doing a little bit less work with the ball in his hands. Obviously, he's a really talented 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 guy, but like Russell's ISO numbers are okay, like pretty decent and he did a lot of that. Um I wonder if his shooting falls off um because his deep two shooting was like really really good for um the Nets last year and I'm not sure if that's sustainable. Um and then in terms of what else I have, I also had, like, does Clay come back early? Like, when does he come back? I think they're ultimately pretty conservative about when he comes back because of how, how they've signed him long term. Um, and then there's going to be a lot of other guys that they're going to have to rely on that are unproven, that are going the other way. Can like, I jump in here? Yeah, go ahead. Because I want to I, – I hate to cut you off, but I want to do a bit that I had. Okay, which go is ahead. Just and this is really the reason I have them eighth at the end of the day. I'm going to read you some names. Okay. Alfonso McKinney. Yeah. Kavon Looney. Willie Cauley-Stein. Jordan Poole. Glenn Robinson III. Omari Spellman. If the Warriors are going to run an eight-man rotation, all of those players are going to play extensive minutes. Yeah. I said Jordan Poole. Yeah. And Glenn Robinson III, by yeah. the way. Yeah, yeah. And that's eight. Then you're getting into, like, Eric Paschal, Sm- Eric Smilagic, like, players like that. Yeah. 
And it's important to remember, this team is capped out. They are up against the cap curtain. They can't even go for... They can't even Anyone, have buyout yeah. guys. Yeah, yeah. Like, they cannot go over that for any reason. So... When you're talking about, like, I just wanted to reiterate because that was my biggest bit, so I'm sorry to, but, like, I just wanted to reiterate. Like, I think people are failing to, when they consider this team to some extent, realizing, like, the, like, it was okay to rely on those guys when Kevin Durant was also on your team, but it, yeah. but it's harder to, and they don't just not have Kevin Durant. They also won't have Clay Thompson for at minimum 55 games, according to them. Yeah. So it's it's gonna be tough. Like it's a lot of just banking on the the power of Steph yeah. and him being able to put this team on his back. Um, I think some of those players, like in the regular season, it'll be definitely mitigated in terms of the impact they have. Like you you didn't mention Jacob Evans and Alec Burks, who I think will have. I forgot Alec Burks. Yeah. that's actually disrespectful. I, I, Alec Burks should have been on there over like Jordan Poole, but. <laughs> So I think those two will have some somewhat of a role as well, but yeah, that's like ultimately the. I big mean, concern. but still, on any other Western Conference team, is Glenn Robinson? Do you want any of those no. guys to be more no, than you your don't. tenth man? Yeah, you know, you really, for the most part, you other really than don't. maybe Looney and Collie Stein, like and, and those like, aren't NBA rotation guys for the most part. And even then, like how how realistic is? Cauley Stein and Looney going to be able to play together with Draymond? Is he going? What Draymond going to play the three? Like it's not realistic at all. Yeah. Um. But yeah, I mean, this is kind of why I have them sixth, seventh, eighth, like in this tier. Yeah. So that's ultimately where I have them, and I don't know if I see them. That they don't have a high ceiling yeah. to me, but they have like I think I feel decent about them making the playoffs. Yeah. That's. I was. I just wanted to give like two quick addendums to. I I'm as interested in Steph Curry as I am any player in the league this this year. I thought the three set being second in MVP odds is ridiculous. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't bet on that in a million years. No, I wouldn't bet just on it. Just for the point you mentioned, like I don't think their ceiling's very high, mm-hmm. and I think people are, like I don't think people are high on them, but I still think people are going to think they make the playoffs. So if they're the four seed or the five. Like I don't know if that's enough to like boost him to MVP. Yeah. But I think I think you very much isolated like their where if they're still good it's gonna come from is like this idea that like Curry is going to show that he's incredible. Like he may yeah. lead the league in scoring this year, and it may be like, oh, this guy's just as good as James Harden in terms of like his offense yeah. efficiency. Now that he has a chance to show that, yeah, show that a little bit more. So I wanted to just point out two things. One thing I think that's being underestimated, you hit on it perfectly. I think the Curry and D'Angelo thing will work itself out fairly well. I think the chance, as we talked about with Westbrook and Harden before, of like them being staggered and that solving some of the depth issues mm-hmm. it, is is very reasonable. Now, if Curry go, th- the other thing is like, do you really want to pick a team where like if Curry, like one of their players goes down, like the season's over? Oh no! Like you can yeah. make that argument with other teams too. Like yeah. it's probably true for the Blazers or yeah, yeah. But like if Curry even misses like twenty five games, which it's, he has in the past, like yeah, not it's great. a wrap. Yeah, you know what I mean. Though the one other thing I just want two two quick hitters. I'm really nervous about the defense. They were tenth in defense last year, and you're losing not only Clay. 
who is an incredible defender, and swapping him for D'Angelo Russell, who... How's D'Angelo Russell? Not an incredible defender. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah. exactly. And Kevin Durant, the fact of the matter is, like, his defense doesn't get talked about often, but he's a good defensive player. He's long, a good de facto rim protector. So when you're replacing those guys for your McKinney's, your Willie Cauley-Steins, like, that... To me, spells like I wouldn't if they were above like twentieth in defense. I'd mm. be su- surprised, and that's given, you know, Draymond's like it's possible that he's like really anchors that unit, but he generally has in the past come into camp, you know, somewhat out of shape, and you know, as you were talking, like he seemed to be the guy you were least kind of like well, enthusiastic. Well, about. for for me, I think it could go one of two ways. I think yeah, Draymond can kind of have the same attitude Agreed. as he's had in previous years, and just been like, all right, I'll like work my way into the season, knowing that the playoffs are like the thing that's looming, and that's where I need to perform. Or I think. And this might be an attitude shift by him, but I think you've kind of seen it in these preseason comments and interviews that he's given in terms of, like, watch out for us. Yeah. Like, And I think maybe he might be a little bit more motivated to kind of prove their his value and his worth. I don't know if that really means anything tangible that will no, be seen, but I think yeah. there's going to be some type of internal motivation that he has. I do think it does themselves. it does matter to some extent. Does it really bear out? But like how does this team deal with adversity is a good question because the fact of the matter is this team is going to be in a different place than they ever have been right, before. Right. And they are going to have to learn how to play in a slightly different way and things of that nature. And I wanted to and I wanted to point out one more thing and then we can move on like I'm interested in, like, the philosophy from this team, especially as it comes from Steve Kerr. Like, you can't really run, like, the beautiful game anymore. No, And you you maybe started to see this in the preseason a little bit. I don't know what they were, like, running offensively. But, like... Like you were saying, like is he where like is he going to be able to show any sort of like offensive creativity when it comes to, you know, get winning on a night on mm-hmm. a night in a night out basis? Like you know, is it just going to be like all right, D'Angelo isolation, like Curry pick and roll shooting fifty footers, like and yeah. that's possible. Like that that ends up being fine. Once again, if like Curry's ends up being just like James Harden. It'll, yeah. it'll be fine. But, you know, the fact that they're not going to be able to play their style anymore, I think, like, you have to account for some possible, um, at the very least, kind of, like, recalibration time. Yeah, totally agree. I think there's there's definitely going to be that shift in mentality and maybe scheme um, for what they do. The mentioning of, like, maybe Steph going into kind of Clay's role in terms of running around screens, I think that's yeah. going to be a little bit more... I think that's going to be something that people haven't seen before as much because of Clay, of how good Clay is at that role. And I think you could kind of possibly see that with Steph. So, Andrew, I think this is the most important pick of the draft. Who do you have as the eighth pick? And as did I'm, I'm curious to see if we differed in terms of playoff teams. Oh, yeah, no. Okay, so for the eighth pick, I'm taking the San Antonio Spurs. So Okay, I had them too. Yeah, you have to take the Spurs. Yeah. I'm sorry. Like, I didn't take them to make the playoffs last year, and, like, I'm just not doing that again. Yep. 44.5 per Westgate. Um, They have them as the eighth team in the West as well. Fifth in offense, 18th in defense. 
to be honest, it's the team I'm least interested in talking about here. But it's important to remember like that last year, this team wasn't even necessarily great because of Aldridge and DeRozan. Like, yes, they are that anachronism. Like, they take a lot of mid-range jumpers. They're not playing that Spursy style, you know. Their shot profile is the least modern of any of any NBA team, but it wasn't even necessarily because of Aldridge and DeRozan that they were great. Like it was their bench unit killing everyone that that resulted yep. from a lot of their offense, like and a lot of their success. And I just think that's sustainable. Like I don't think either DeRozan and Aldridge. Like is this team going to do anything in the playoffs? No. no. But I just at this point it's like. It's it's gut feeling to some extent. I'm just looking at the machine and I'm like, all right, can that keep going for another year? Probably. The one guy I wanted to highlight was Dejounte Murray. He's mm-hmm. coming back this year and I think will be an interesting piece. Great defensive player, uh, lengthy. He's a point guard but has a lot of length, a lot of athleticism. We'll see what he what he's like as a scorer. But Derek White was starting most of the year at point guard and he wasn't much of a, a of a scorer either. So, you know slight bit of kind of room for improvement there and uh yeah i'm just not picking against the spurs like there's really not much more to say from my know, perspective ga- than that i was i was wondering you were hoping it- with for that i would go like with the mavs or something yeah no right? i was wondering yeah. if you're gonna make the same mistake twice nope. in two years but yeah i had the spurs as well in this eighth uh spot i just think like how can you really bet against them yeah. like like until they have proven us incapable of making the playoffs i'm not choosing against greg popovich over the course of a regular season in terms of him his ability to guide his team to the playoffs yeah you like that other than that like you could change all the pieces change all the names i'm still not choosing against them yeah to make yeah. to miss the playoffs. and i tried it and i and i'm out i mean like the only thing i'm interested in is like if they struggle early or something like that what do they do? Yeah. Like, DeMar DeRozan's up after this year. I think LaMarcus is reaching the end of his contract mm-hmm. as well, like, maybe as a player option. Like, if they start to struggle early on, then I kind of raise my eyebrows at them. But until that happens, like, the fact of the matter is, like, yeah, you, yeah, pr- you pretty much they are and what you, they are. And you pretty much hit my point in terms of Murray. Like, he's the one variable yeah. from last year that they didn't have. And if he's able to show any signs of what was being reported before he got injured last season, and people were saying, like, oh, he's going to make a jump, yep. then it starts getting interesting where they start maybe thinking about sixth and seventh. Yep. But, like, I don't know if it changes that much ultimately overall. So, so I think we should pause here because we've done eight teams to kind of recap like what our top, top eight, eight looks like. Why okay. don't you go first and I'll I'll mark it down for posterity. Yep. So top eight, I had Houston, yep. Clippers, mm-hmm. Denver, yep. then I had Utah, Lakers, Golden State, Portland, San Antonio. Interesting. So we have like two key moments of divergence. I have the Clippers first, which is fine. I also have the Nuggets. I have the Nuggets second, um, Lakers third, Jazz fourth, Rockets fifth, Blazers sixth, Spurs seventh, Warriors eighth. So basically, it's like where Houston versus uh yeah Houston versus the Lakers is kind of uh, is huge. I mean, you having Houston first and me having them fifth is pretty 
big. But yeah. then the next three, we have the same combination of the Clippers, Denver, and Utah, basically. Mm-hmm. So Lakers and, and Houston being, like, in ver- different spots. And then, basically, we have Golden State and Portland flipped. Yep. So... That'll yeah. be interesting to see who who was right there. And you know what? How confident are you? Like, what would you put your level of confidence? We both do have the same playoff teams. Yeah. What would you put your level of confidence at that, like, if I gave you, like, plus 200 odds that... So I'll give you, like, plus 200 odds that this is the playoff team versus, like, minus 150 that it's different. Like, what are you taking? I think I'm taking the same. Okay. I kind of like it. Like, and it, it was kind of interesting, like, how we were kind of previewing last week of, like, oh, there's going to be a lot more variability within amongst these teams. When I was looking at it, there, I feel like there are clear tiers in terms of, like, how we were ranking them. There was, like, maybe the top, like, four to five, and then, like, the next three. Maybe you could kind of throw in, like, your combination of, New Orleans, Sacramento, Dallas, Minnesota in there, but I still think they're like a tier below those three. Yeah. Um, but I I don't know. I don't know how you kind of see it. If you yeah, no, I, I agree with you, and that's kind of why I wanted to posit the question. I do have a little bit of a gut feeling, though, that one of the Kings, Pelicans, or Mavs is going to jump up and take the eighth spot, and one of Portland's golden state and and the spurs was gonna fall out like, and i be- just i just uh, it seems just odd that like you know what i mean with all the yeah. volatility i i just wouldn't be surprised and kind of have a gut feeling that that's gonna happen maybe i'm wrong but like you know what i mean like i feel good about it which is making me in turn kind of question it right. a little bit so it would be but fun i do to agree see with you it would be fun to and see and i one think of those the teams. next three teams are, are very very fun and and with that i'm interested to see which of those teams you kind of like the most give me new orleans like wow number okay. nine yeah i and i did not have them number nine but i did have them number 10 so that's interesting and I just like this. I, I was big on New Orleans too. I, I really like this team. I'm and high I'm, on them and as well. And I'm, I was, I was like so tempted to be ballsy and make make, make them, them the eighth seed. The eighth seed. That would have been I, wild. Yeah, but I couldn't do it because I couldn't do it over, um, over Pop. Like I just like, if it was any other team, I would have been ballsy enough to just been like, yeah, like give me them over whoever. But since it was Pop, it was really tough to do that. But let me get into New Orleans and why I I like them and I'm high on them. I'm drinking the Zion Kool Aid and everything like that. He's ridiculous. Like like in pre <laughs> Thanks, like in preseason wow. like Zion not, is ridiculous. Not like great analysis in. there, but or, or or great take. But he's shooting like eighty five percent from the field in preseason. I don't know if that means much, but like it's kind of a. I think it's a sign of things to come. And I just really like a lot of their pieces that they fit together. Drew Holiday's a really, really good defensive point guard, and he can he can play offensively and really well. Um, there's so many young pieces, and that's where the variability is going to be. Like, okay, they're a 12th seed or 12th the 12th ranked team in the West, or they're like eighth. Like, yeah. I, you could foresee with this team making the playoffs if everything goes according to yep. plan. Lonzo, what is what do they get out of Brandon Ingram? Um, and then, like, 
in terms of like some of the veteran backup or veteran like veterans in the rotation like JJ Redick and Derek Favors are those guys going to be able to provide enough ability aside from the intangibles bit of them being veteran players to kind of provide that stability for their for their young players I I just really like the construction of their team and I really hope that they prove me wrong honestly I hope they prove me wrong and they finish like seventh or yeah I'm I'm pretty high on the Pelicans as well I did not have them at ninth but I I I, the more I think about them the more I like them and I put it uh, that they're the non-top eight team I'm looking forward to watching the most would you pick this team to make the play since you're high on them would you pick this team to make the playoffs in the east oh yeah Wow. So, like, better than, like, the Magic or, you know, whoever. I forgot who's seventh there, but... Yeah, I would... Gi- I would. I think I would choose them over Interesting, because I thought that was an interesting an interesting question. I, I think I might agree with you. Um, If I'm Alvin Gentry, like, here, so here's what I'm thinking. Like, I want this team to just get out and transition every night. I yep. want them to be leading the league in, in pace. I want them to... I think that's where they're going to be deadliest. When it's like, ooh, Zion, Lonzo Ball, you know... Ingram, like, kind of flying at you full speed, uh, you know, holidays, a serviceable uh, jump shooter and, and stuff like that. You know, that's that's kind of where I think their bread and butter is going to be. The two things I'm nervous about is, one, in that half-court game, like, what are their go-to offensive sets? You know? Yeah, pick and like, roll, I guess. I, like, yeah, there's Drew some, and some pick and which, 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 which will be interesting. And that's kind of, like, where I'm looking at Brandon Ingram. Like, he's... On a team with Zion Williamson, is he my, my most intriguing player? It's hard to say that, but like he's my most intriguing player in terms of like where does his career go from here, and like where does this, where does he fit in on this team? Because right. if they are going to have that success that you talked about, like it's at him excelling at the three and like being like, all right, the three's locked down. It's Brandon Ingram. Like mm-hmm. we're good. Whereas if he's not showing that, like I think, I think it really exposes some pro- some some problems. And the other question I have is like Zion. I feel like offensively in year one, we know what we're getting from him. Like it's going to be those like crazy athletic plays, like shooting really well around the rim, like his jumper. Anything you're getting is a bonus. Like hopefully you want to see him play some some small ball five at some point. But like, what does he look like defensively right away? Is an interesting question mm-hmm. because I think if he's a defensive liability, like I think this team's downside mostly comes to. Def- I mentioned the half court offense, but I also think their weakness is possibly defensively. Obviously, Drew's going to be a stalwart, but at the end of the day, he's like a great on ball defender. You need other other stuff mm. behind him so if zion's able to show good instincts especially like at uh, ostensibly we'll be playing at the four somewhat you know other than like him getting posted up like what does his defense look like is is kind of an interesting question and that's yep. that's true to a lesser extent to brandon ingram i think also but um that's at, I, in year one that's kind of what i'll be looking towards the most if i'm like watching them on league pass or whatever yeah this is a team i'm really excited to watch like if they come to when they come to brooklyn yeah. i think i'd want to go watch this team play yeah. be just because like they're one of those really interesting combinations of players that they have and i'm really curious like i mentioned Nikhil alexander walker yeah who's like shown pretty good stuff in the preseason and he's like shown that he can he's he might be like backup point guard like third guard fourth guard like along with reddick like 
he's really interesting with the ball in his hands and he's a super lengthy player. He's an interesting guy. Like, I'm curious to see, like, how all these young guys come together and grow. Like, we didn't even mention Jackson Hayes, who's more probably a developmental guy. Yeah, he hasn't been playing too much in yeah, the preseason. Yeah, hasn't been playing too much. So he might be, like, Jaleel Okafor's playing, <laughs> like, backup center yeah. minutes. So we'll see what ends up happening with them. And, like, um, like I wonder what that, like, transition game looks like. Ultimately, it's probably going to be Lonzo, Drew, Brandon Ingram, Zion, and then whoever you want, Redick. Nikhil Alexander Walker, like throw one of those guys in, but I think it's going to be really interesting to see them. I'm really high on them, but I was not ballsy enough to choose them as um, a playoff team. Andrew, who do you have tenth? So um, and or who do you have ninth? Then? Yeah, so yeah. I had this team ninth, and it's kind of like the team that I like, just like you, kind of like I'm high on, but not enough to like project them to take that leap. But I am high enough to take them like out of position. I didn't take. The Mavs have the highest win total here, like per Westgate on the board over the Pelicans too. But I didn't take them. I took I took the Kings. Mm. Um, and here's my th- I'm just going with my gut here. And my my question is like, what if De'Aaron Fox has like another level to go to here? Mm-hmm. You know, what if he's like a borderline All Star or an All Star this year? Like he showed tremendous improvement last year when it came to like his running of the offense, his three point shooting. But what if, what if you know, this is the year where it's like, shit, De'Aaron Fox is like a top four, top five point guard in the league. And I think maybe we say that. You know what I mean? Like, w- as we go through these, t- these like, the things we don't predict, I feel like, are always kind of those, like, playoff level leaps or, like, player leaps. And, and I'm looking at De'Aaron Fox here. The problem, though, is, like, two things. It's hard to see their defense improving too, too much. They were 20th in defense last year, and, like, their personnel hasn't really changed. Like they probably need. lost to, like, Willie Cauley-Stein, yeah. who would probably anchor their defense. Yeah, so you're looking at, like, either, like, kind of, like, five Bagley or five Bielita. Uh, I don't think he's on the team anymore. but Oh, something yeah, no, like, no, he is, yeah, yeah. Oh, he is still? Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, someone like that. Uh, but I think, like, they can go up from 15th in offense. I think they could be a top-10 offensive team, and if they get to that level, they're, they're – um, they're possibly looking at at kind of that eighth seed as a ceiling. I want to ask you a question though: uh, mm-hmm. Is Dave going from Dave Yeager to Luke Walton an upgrade or a downgrade? Questionable. Yeah, exactly. I don't and I know. and I feel the same way. And I think that's like their second key question that I'm locking into. Luke Walton, unfortunately, hasn't. Dave Yeager was, I think, good for like getting this team on the right path for sure. And Luke Walton, like, I almost feel like I want to caveat like. Personal, I'm not uh, yeah, talking. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He has some personal issues that, like, it's not worth getting into. But, like, he hasn't really, like, the idea was, like, he's coming from the Warriors. Like, he's going to institute this, like, Warrior style of offense for, like, the Lakers. And he never really got to do it. So maybe there's a chance that, like, he's finally able to do that in Sacramento. And that, that gives their offense the boost they need. So it's kind of that, that idea. Like, I. Th- the the downside is like idea kind of theory is like what if last year's kind of ninth place finish was an anomaly and like what if this is the team they actually are but if it is the team they actually are like I'm picking them tenth, tenth so now. it's yeah. it's not that crazy but when I'm looking at De'Aaron Fox and I'm looking at that offense I I see room for growth and we'll get into kind of like I the Mavs I I see more potential problems there in terms of their roster construction. 
So uh, yeah, going with the going with the Kings. All right, you know my love for Luca, so they're eleventh for me. Um, did you have them? Did you have them over the Kings? I'm assuming you did. Uh, no, I didn't. Oh, okay, that's interesting. I actually had the Kings tenth. Okay, um, so we're like kind of breaking with consensus because I think most people see the Mavs as this. As I don't. As the team that could jump up and make the leap. So I, I, I think that's important to note am, here. Am I crazy? And maybe we're just so in lockstep with each other because we talk about the NBA together all the time. I'm not crazy about this roster at all, like you were kind of alluding to. Like, other than Luca and even Kristaps, like, we don't really know what we're going to see from him after, I think it's been like 20-ish months or yeah. it's close to two years of not seeing him play basketball in a regular season game i'm a little bit worried about like all right we're gonna just run it back here's dwight powell maxi claver like bobon's added to the list seth curry welcome back yeah seth curry like they're gonna rely on justin jackson and tim hart like i don't love the construction of this team it it just kind of reminds me of these guys are placeholders for like their future roster. Yeah. And they're really just relying on Luca and Kristaps and then anything else is kind of gravy for them. And I don't, I don't really love, love the team um, at all. Like DeLon Wright's going to get some minutes. Like who showed some stuff? No, I kind of like DeLon Wright as a point guard in that offense where Luca's really, Really running, running it, it yeah. but then like Delon Wright's able to kind of guard the other teams one. I I like that, but yeah. Ultimately, I just don't think they have enough. Like unless like Luca takes talk a about, ridiculous. Yeah, talk about Doncic a little bit though. Like, or uh, like, what are you looking for in year two? What do you? Because I think that's the theory of like picking them. If you were like going to pick the eighth, and Westgate has them above the Pelicans and the Kings by four games, so they definitely see them as as a class above. And I think it's possibly predicated on this idea that like maybe Doncic level up into like an all NBA type that just kind of seems does that seem ridiculous to you four games yeah but uh yeah no I think it does and I think the idea of Doncic leveling up like I think it's possible but I think it's just as likely that he has like a similar a similar year like he's a Tatum or a or a Donovan Mitchell where it's like Oh, progression isn't always linear, like yeah. our new favorite catchphrase yep. on this podcast, where, you know, there's a little bit more of a feeling out there there to be had. Yeah, I, I mean, talking about Luca a little bit, I think the pick-and-roll offense between him and Porzingis could be yeah. ridiculously deadly. Yeah. Like, if, if Porzingis shows any type of range, like, that he showed pre-injury, and he was doing really well pre-injury, I'm... I think they can be super deadly. I just don't know what option B is, really. Yeah. Like, I don't know what else they go to when, like, that's not working. Is it just, like, Luca off the dribble and here, like, take over the game, post-ups to Kristaps? But nothing else is really that appealing to me. Yeah. Other than, like, their pick-and-roll game can be deadly. And if they can find, like, a third guy somewhere, then it starts getting a lot more interesting. But there's a lot of question marks other than and and variables out there in terms of does Luca get demonstrably better compared to last year to sh- to show the improvement that maybe Westgate is projecting and does Porzingis kind of come back into pre-injury form that he showed and I'm a lot more dubious about whether or not 
Porzingis returns to yeah, form. Yeah, and I think that's my, like, you mentioned the, like, Hardaway's, your Courtney Lee's, your Maxi Kleber's, like, and their abilities to, like, contribute to winning basketball on a team where there's no real third option. But, like, at the end of the day, it's like, Chris Stapps, can you play 60 games? Like, I, uh, show me that. 50? 55? Exactly. Like, show yeah. me that, and then we can kind of start to talk. It's like my conservatism kind of coming into yep. play a little yeah. bit. Uh, and I hope he does. Like, that would be cool to watch. Like, when you were talking about the pick and roll, like, that was actually getting me very excited. Like, rarely is there a pick and roll where, like, both players can Do pop both. and both yeah. players can go to the basket. Yeah. And, like, yeah, it, there's a chance of that, and there's a chance like that that is able to be so good that it kind of elevates them. And there mm-hmm. is certainly a chance that, like, Doncic just, like, his offensive game takes that next step where he can kind of – I'm bringing up James Harden a lot, but, like, where he can be kind of a Harden light. Like, that yeah. was a, a comp for him, certainly. Like, you know what I mean? Like, it's like, ooh, Luke is coming back in, like, he's really in shape. Like, oh, his step back is – you know, he's making those at a higher rate, stuff like that. That's possible. But I, I think there are those those it's not enough for me to like want to bank on that and and the, the Porzingis health is just like and his what he looks like. It's just not I can't project that to the point where I'm taking them higher than where I have them. Yeah. I think the one last point I wanted to make is does Luca make like take that next step and make the all star game and uh, uh or the all-star team in the west and it's going to be really difficult for him uh looking at all the players and then i guess the other thing that maybe westgate might be seeing in comparison to like some of the other guys that we compare him to is he has that playmaking ability that takes t- takes guys usually two three yeah. four years to develop and he's already shown it in his rookie year and he's been able to show that he's willing to pass the ball and and set up his teammates in comparison to someone like Tatum. Um, so, yeah, I definitely am really high on Luka, but I don't know about this year. I think they're one year That's away from, feel, making yes, a st- agreed. from making a step up. Agreed. One year away and probably one guy away. Yep, exactly. So, Andrew, who do you have number 12? So, this is, like, an interesting, like, if we're doing the tiers of the NBA, of the West NBA, I have those three guys in a tier, and then I think I have the bottom three teams in a tier, and then this team's kind of, like, in a weird no-man's land to me. I'm talking about the Minnesota Timberwolves, okay. who Westgate has projected for 35 and a half wins here. 14th on offense, 22nd in defense last year, and when I look at this team, I see them as a team with more talent than the Thunder, Suns, and Grizzlies, because they have Carl Anthony Towns on the team, and Carl Anthony Towns is is really, really good. Um, but the more I think about the theory of the team, like the more worried I get. And here's why. I don't really see a major path to improvement. Like there are a couple things like that you can point to as like possibly getting better at over next year. Having Robert Covington, who's like one of my favorite kind of like role player y type, he's a starter, but like non star starters in the NBA. Right. I love him a lot. Like he's a guy I would love to have on my team. He didn't get to play a lot after the after the Jimmy Butler trade and having him on the team is a just for the year is a possible chance of improvement. But like having that as like your number one other than a trade or towns becoming an MVP. Like those are your two chances of like this team even making the playoffs at this point because they you know what I mean the last few years that they have made the playoffs but you know since then it's kind of 
it's it's been tough sledding. So I I don't see a major path to improvement. I see the eighth seed as their as their ceiling, and I start to think like if they're stuck at like eleven, what what starts to happen here? The towns, you know what I mean? Do we get towns yep. discontent, or do we get like ownership or like the fan base or whatever starting to get riled up? And like at that point, like. You know what I mean? There's a downside here. So I think they're the obvious no-brainer pick, but, like, you know what I mean? It's hard to see the upside, and, and the downside, I feel like, with each passing year gets more and more... Uh, yeah, the contract the it, contracts it are worrisome, a little bit. too. Like, in terms of, like, making a pivot, Yeah. like, I don't see anything that they can really do, because, yeah. like... Of I mean, a- the Andrew Wiggins concept, contract, like, is, is a huge hindrance to anything they would want to yeah, do to him, improve. Teague and Towns is taking up most of their yeah. cap room. Like, so there's not much of a, r- like, room for improvement that they can make, unless Jarrett Culver, who was, like, so one <laughs> of their picks... <laughs> I had in, on my on my bullet point, not to, to break in, but, like, I feel like Jarrett Culver is the rookie, like, lottery pick I've heard about the least. Yeah. Like, you know what I mean? And I, like, it's not like... I don't... What do we Like, what is he going to prove? Yeah, Yeah, Like, I don't know, like, where he really fits on this team, like, and what he can do. Jake Lehman actually looked good in the game that I I was uh, attending between the Golden State Warriors and the Timberwolves, which I was really impressed by, like, his athleticism, like... And like just in terms of like him being able to make shots, he's a fun like player to watch. Yeah, yeah, basically lobs and like hopefully threes. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Right Corner he can, threes he can and play, stuff. He could he can take it you off the dribble a little bit, but right, right. So I mean, but there's like young guys there, like Okogi's there, like like I they have a couple guys like if they no can agree really they definitely improve. do have a couple guys, but it's just like the it feels remote that they get enough out of those yeah. that collective to to bring you into playoff contention. Like, yeah, they could definitely be the eighth seed, but, like, once you look beyond that, yeah, it, it's tough. Yeah, I totally agree with that. Um, but they, yeah, I think they have a lot of interesting guys. Like, they're only a couple years removed from that playoff berth that you were, we were talking about, but it, they, were ta- they have a lot of different players. Like, I just think the Jimmy Butler thing for them would have been great if Jimmy Butler wasn't, like, crazy. Like, yeah. you know what I mean? Like, sure. if he wasn't crazy and just, like, if he was, like, a Paul George, like, you know, and maybe Paul George is better, but, like, temperament Paul George, and even that, I don't know. But, like, if he was just a normal guy, then maybe this changes the trajectory of, like, where Minnesota goes in the next couple of years. I, I just wanted to put it to you before we move on. What do you put as the chance... We don't even have to say he gets traded. The chance Coral Towns asked for a trade this year. Do you give it a 15% chance or less than that? Because the thing mm-hmm. is, like, as I start to think about this league, and that that's what I was... We've seen it shift towards, like, the player's move. You know what right, I mean? Right. And, like, and when we look at this year, you look at Kevin Love. You'd probably put as, like, the number one good guy to get traded, right? Then you have Bradley Beal at two. And then, like, it's Towns probably at three, right? Yeah. And, like, how many players got traded last year? Like, a lot. But, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, those, we've trended towards, like, the top three guys. You know what I mean? Uh-huh. Those guys do end up going sooner rather than later. Yeah. So I, I think that's just, like, a thing to keep an eye on. I'll, I'll turn the, it over to you because I, think I Towns, didn't let you answer. Yeah, I think the Towns thing is really interesting because he has so many years on his contract yeah. left that, like, 
he has no leverage at all or perceived leverage from like where I'm sitting in sure. terms of like what is he gonna say like trade me or else like I'm not gonna play for four like well that's like, what happened with Anthony Davis yeah. kind of yeah. so that's kind of the point I was trying to make is like do we possibly see an AD style dispute there I don't think it's necessarily likely but I think there's a you know chance of it happening that's worth pointing out and yeah. as you project these teams. I want to keep an eye right. on. Right, and there was, like, an undefeated article that came out today, I think, actually, uh, regarding, like, Carl Anthony Towns and, like, his chances uh, – or what he thinks about his chances of, um, of like, making the playoffs. And he se- he's like, yeah, I know we seem like underdogs, but they – everyone has optimism during this time of year, but he seemed fairly confident in terms of, like – kind of re- being relishing in that underdog type of role hey, so and once again like that's what i said like that's the most likely path is him like coming out and and be staying and and being an mvp candidate but the thing is like he hasn't you know what i mean we've had that conversation before and it hasn't happened yet so i'm not gonna think that's gonna happen now you're right right so Andrew, we got. I think this is number thirteen. Yeah, now. I think we probably so the try and speed three. through these last three, but uh, yeah, yeah, exactly. Hit me. You know what? I'm going for the Phoenix Suns. Wow. Yeah. Wow. I'm actually pretty surprised because I thought you were going to pick the Thunder. I felt like we were both fairly high well, on the Thunder compared to most yeah, people. Yeah. So like you we are the Suns here is interesting. I think we are. I I am high on the Thunder. It's just, or higher on the Thunder than people perceive. It's just one of those things like Chris Paul getting traded can kind of throw a monkey wrench into like them winning games. Um, the the Suns. You know what? Just if Devin Booker's ever gonna prove that he's a g- actually a good player, he's gonna prove it this year. Um, if and maybe this is like my one insane take, and then people are gonna just be like. Yeah, he. They're gonna win eighteen games again, or not? I don't think they'll win eighteen games again. I just wanted to point out West Westgate has them at twenty nine and a half, okay. which is a leap. I doubt they can make that. I think they'll make a small increase, not necessarily that much. But um, I just wanted to p- point out that like you're not like going completely off the reservation there by predicting that they'll be better. Mm-hmm. I also think they will be better. No, I think they'll be better. It's just I I think people will be like. Oh, Kevin, they won 19 games yeah. last year. I think Rubio changes things. Yes. Like, he's, like, for all people's, like, criticisms of Rubio and how he can't shoot, like, he's a competent NBA point guard who will take the ball out of Devin Booker's hands and set Booker up in opportunity, better opportunities for him to score. And Rubio's, like, for all... Like, he can do stuff defensively that I think is a little bit more underrated and people won't be like, oh, wow, like, that's surprising. Now, the other stuff, like DeAndre Ayton, like, is he going to be able to stay on the court? Like, not injury-wise, just in terms of, like, can he... Being an effective defensive basketball player. Like, will he be able to be schemed off the court? Or can he just, regardless of that, like... This is going to be the year whether or not I think he shows a little bit more of something. But, like, if you look at some of the players on their team, like, I don't hate the, like, the depth no, I on their team. Agree. Like, sorry. Like, theoretically, if you look at this team, like, it makes sense. Like, Sarich spacing out the floor. 
uh, Kelly Oubre, whatever you think about him, like he's the three. Mike McCall Bridges, he's a three. Like it's a hundred percent a better roster than last year. Like you have to concede that at the very least, right? And and so like Aaron Baines is there for whatever you got your thoughts on. Like the roster moves are like, but if you're just evaluating the talent, I think like they can finish like thirteenth or so, like in in terms of where we're picking them. Yeah. Um, and and that was kind of like my concern about OKC in terms of like and maybe they're they're your next pick and you can we could kind of talk about. Them I kind of want to talk about the Suns a little oh, bit okay. before we I yeah, mean, yeah, whatever we can. How long is the podcast right now? We're close to two. But OK, so like that's not so bad. Not, I think we can terrible. speed. I think the Thunder will be easier. I yeah. just wanted because I think we had similar ideas and I wanted to just yeah, bounce yeah. off. I actually had, and you started to go there, but then you pulled up a little bit. So, because yeah. I, I, I really wanted to nail you, I have as a bullet point: don't you dare say this is—is is this the year Devin Booker makes a leap or some <laughs> shit? Like, I just don't want to hear that shit anymore, man. Like, uh, I'm not. How many years can we can you say? You know what I mean? Uh, like to me, he is who he is, and I think that's a good player. But I just don't think he's becoming like a good enough player to like lead a playoff team at this mm. point unless he's on a different team got it so and that's kind of like where my theory diverges from okc in a little bit like you're and it was my fourth bullet point like my kind of my summer up here like sure there's marginal improvement but there's also like the overall direction of a team and mm. at the end of the day i don't think the overall direction of this team is drastically changing when their best two players Maybe that they're not even like maybe Rubio is one of their best two players now. Yeah. But if your stars are Devin Booker and DeAndre Ayton, like mm-hmm. I'm just not buying stock in that yet. Beyond I had them second to last. Like got it. And I think they will improve, but I don't think they'll hit that twenty nine and a half number and that mm-hmm. and that's not why I'm buying them. Uh, I just want. I liked watching Cameron. Jo- I know he was like a huge, um, a Surprise, huge reach. Yeah. But I actually liked watching Cam Johnson when they were playing the Blazers the other night. He was shooting it really, really well. And that's what and he's I known just, for. And yeah. that's what I. I do like him as like a possible starter who can just play good defense and and shoot the ball. Um, but yeah, that's that's kind of like where I'm going. They were 28th on offense and 29th on defense last year. And while their roster has changed to to make them marginally better. I don't think they're a 500 ball club. And I do, pivoting, think that the OKC Thunder at their peak could be a 500 ball club. Hmm. Um, I like them as a value pick. I, to, to be clear, like I don't, I'm not picking them to make the playoffs, but I like them as a value pick as we get to the bottom. Because when you look at this team as it is currently constructed with Chris Paul, with Shea Gilgis-Alexander, with with Danilo Gallinari, like, it's a good roster that can win a decent amount of games in the NBA. The problem is, like, what is... Um, what is we're running who's the the Sam Presti I'm sorry like I haven't eaten and I'm starting to run out of steam what is Sam Presti going to do here is he going to who is he going to trade who is going to be on this team and how does he view the season but I'm looking and I'm like if they start the season well like maybe he doesn't rush to make a trade like Mm. we do want to think of Sam Presti as this cold calculating guy who will trade James Harden who will trade Russell Westbrook and that's probably true but I also think he's not stupid and like if they start the season well and like the fan base is rallying around this team I think he will value that especially when you consider that like Chris Paul is on the books for five fucking years yeah, and you're not necess- going to probably get something good for him. Well, now yeah. th- that that there there are two points to be made there. One is like then if something does come up, 
you want to get him off the books right away. Mm-hmm. But if there's not, like, there's really no harm in, in not trading him, especially if um if they're looking okay. Yeah, I, I and I think that's, like, the one big point that I want people to take away about this OKC team is that I don't think Presti's going to be like, all right, salary dump with Chris Paul. Like, I think he's going to try to get, like, he's going to hold out to try to get some value out of that trade He's because the thing is they already have a lot of assets you right know what and I mean? it's like where are they gonna go yeah. like with like yeah. they're unless it's i think for like a tangible type of player i don't know if they're gonna like really be like all right chris paul like here you go miami here yeah. here here you go like minnesota Timberwolves. like when i don't think they're gonna get that type of um like I don't, I don't think they're gonna just give him away. Yeah. So that's like the one, I guess, big takeaway. They do have like the makings of, I think, a team that, like you were saying, like Chris Paul, um, Gilgis Alexander, and Gallinari. Those three guys can win you. And probably Stephen Adams is Steven still Adams. pretty good. Those Overpaid, four, right, but not bad. Like those four guys, they can get you to like at least 35 wins and probably even trend up towards like 500, like you were saying. So it's not a bad value pick. I'm just really concerned that he's like Chris Paul, like he's going to be like, all right, I feel my, I feel something in my hamstring, like five games into the season. That's that's pretty funny. Sit 10, sit 10 games and then just be like, all right, I'm I'm out. (laughs) Like I'm out. I don't think I can play. So yeah. Um, yeah. And then you're really just relying on like, Gilgis Alexander totally to true. kind of grow and see what he can totally do. Totally true. But in 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 picking them, I'm kind of imagining a possible counterfactual where Presti goes, hey, I already have a lot of assets, and I have a good player on this, and I have g- g- close to a five, an eighth seed already. So why don't I just kind of keep stuff the way it is and try and retool using those picks? Interesting. So don't think it's necessarily going to happen, yeah. but I see it enough where I'm willing to take them. Yeah, I Here. mean, yeah, it makes sense over like the ne- the last team, the Memphis Grizzlies, who I don't see much good happening for them. Like John ja Morant, who is an exciting prospect, rookie point guards are really t- like for them to adjust to the league. It's really tough for them, and I don't really like he's a really talented player. I just don't know if he's so uber talented that he's going to. Um, he's gonna be able to overcome a lot of the rookie point guard uh, troubles that a lot of NBA uh, rookie point guards deal with. Um, they have some like him and Jaron Jackson Jr. are the two guys to look out for uh, for the Memphis Grizzlies. Um, but other than that, like, is yeah. there any? No, I had not I much had pretty much about? the same things. I had pretty much the same things as you did, John ja Morant. I I wanted to say. So when you look at um when you look at uh, rookie of the year odds, uh, Zion's like minus one sixty three, and then your second guy's Ja Moran at plus four hundred. And I was gonna say to anyone out there, like if you think the Memphis Grizzlies are gonna be good this season, go bet that Ja Morant rookie of the year odds because if they're good, it's going to be because like he's incredible. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And I've I've heard some preseason kind of reports that he actually looks really really good at on the offensive side of the ball like that he has shown that playmaking that athleticism that that you know uh that scoring ability that he showed at murray state and i hope that and i'm looking forward to that but i agree with you that like 
rookie point guard. You can't bank on a rookie point guard lifting your team. And even if he is really, really good, when you get outside of him and Jaron Jackson Jr., you're not you're not looking at much of a talented roster. In terms of Jaron Jackson Jr., my my key, like if I'm just like talking about this team generally, I just want to see the man play 75 games. Like he looked pretty good in the games he played last year, but he only played 53 of them. So I'm I'm looking for him to stay on the court and and show that he is a, a viable cornerstone of a, of an NBA team. Yeah, totally. I have a couple more points about great. the Grizzlies. And then, then I have one. I think I have a great way to close it out with the okay. Grizzlies. So go for it. Yeah, a couple more points, and maybe we we're thinking on the same same brave or wavelength on that stuff. All right, uh, Jonas Valanciunas, like, what can he do? Yeah, that that was like one thing. Jay Crowder, like, somewhat interesting, like. This team could b- potentially be better than the Suns or like OKC. Oh like, yeah, for like sure. It it depends on like how they do. Um, quick shout out Yuta Watanabe, who's a GW alum, um, je- like first Japanese American. That's awesome. Or second Japanese American to play in the league, I think. Um, him and Rui Hachimura. That was kind of like a really fun story uh, during the FIBA World Cup, and hopefully, like. That would be cool. Like, he got in some, like, regular season games, so I was, like, tracking him as a GW alum. So, good luck to him, hopefully trying to make this roster slash rotation. Last point. Okay, that's good. Keep going. Andre Iguodala, and where does he go? Yeah. I don't know if this is where you're... No, it wasn't. But I'm just so excited. You're making really good points, but I'm so excited to do my thing. Okay. Keep going. So, (laughs) Andre Iguodala does, like... I think this is the one thing, like, just story line in terms of what happens with him and where does he go. Because it doesn't, it doesn't look like he wants to finish his career with the Memphis Grizzlies. So they're going to probably try to work out a buyout or something like that. And where he goes um, to one of these prospective playoff teams, I think, is going to be a really interesting, like, what if because he can provide stuff in the playoffs yeah no i kind of forgot about him to be honest i think i was getting towards the end of my research and kind of glossed over the grizzlies i think that's a good point and i think the initial reading like what i've read is like that they actually want to keep him on the roster for the start which shows you that like this team at least thinks they're they have enough to be decent so right, right. even though we're picking them last like you made a good point of like highlighting as you kind of talked about their roster that there's not necessarily a huge gap between them and and the suns and the grizzlies even uh the suns and the thunder even though we both had them last right, right. Uh, exactly so i wouldn't be surprised if like th- and it'll be interesting to see if he reacts like if he's willing to play in that first month or so because th- what i kind of anticipate happening is like he plays for the first month it's evident that they're going to be one of the worst teams in the in the in the conference and then maybe they finally look to buy make him a move or, or trade, maybe they yeah. want to try and expre- extract some value out of him i don't know if that's possible but I'd yeah maybe so uh, I wanted to end with this. Do you have like the roster like information about them pulled up right now? Uh, no, I don't. Okay, so if you, I will. We're gonna go out to eat after this, probably. Okay. If you answer this question correctly, I I'll pay for your dinner just because oh. I had no clue. Okay. Kevin Wu, who is the coach of the Memphis Grizzlies? Ugh. <laughs> That's get, why do I, do I get a twenty four second oh, shot? Oh yeah, yeah, you can think about it. It's not it's not coming like out of thin air. I don't think so. Oh my god, who is this guy? 
Yeah, I, I, I have no idea. Uh, the only guy I was thinking of was Lionel Holland. No, like, it's Taylor Jenkins. Uh, oh, that's, no. It's, I I do, he was like, Who is that? He was like one of their assistants under Bickerstaff, basically. Okay. Like, that's yeah. why it's such a unbelievable. Like, we know more about the NBA probably than like 98% of people. And as we were going along, something like led me to go, like, Did they bring back Bickerstaff or like what exactly ha- like happened with that? And then I looked this up and I saw Taylor Jenkins and I was like, I don't, I literally have no idea who this man is. I literally have no idea who this guy is. He was an assistant last year on the Mo- Milwaukee. Oh no, he was Bucks. on the Bucks. I'm sorry. Yeah. Yep. Um, I just pulled. Thirty-five years old, went to UPenn. Yeah, yeah. I, I literally would have. So never unfortunately, been a- you're going to have to pay for your own dinner. <laughs> but I thought it was just insane because I feel like I know every other head coach in the league, but yeah, that one that's, was so off the board ooh. that I had no idea. Yeah, would have never known that at all. So, so it do looks we like wanna- I'm buying my own dinner. <laughs> Sorry, tonight. man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do we want to close it out with any sort? Should we save that for the next time we do it? Like. Do you want to try and do finals and like MVP and stuff off the dome, or should we save it? We could save it. Okay. Yeah, maybe we could do like a quick one next week before the season actually. Then starts. I think we let the season start or and do a week, start. and then maybe come come back with okay. it. Okay. Yeah, yeah, sounds good. So Andrew, thanks again for coming on. Actually, why don't we do quick fine, just like quick finals, okay. like like who we think is going to make. I do the have a pick, so that's and fair. Who, yeah, yeah. I'm gonna go the. <laughs> as soon you, as you uh, said <laughs> now i i'll just go with my gut it's fine i i'm gonna pick the los angeles clippers over the philadelphia 76ers in in six and i'm picking Giannis as the mvp which is boring i i gave a second pick i'll put as kind of like my my dark horse uh, i'll go with nicole Jokic, but uh yeah that's gonna be my pick i i have the feeling we're both gonna be like wildly wrong and that Yep. This is going to be an at the top. It'll be it'll be a volatile season, but um, yeah. I'm going Clippers, Milwaukee Bucks with the Clippers winning. Interesting. It. Yep. I thought you were going to pick the Bucks. No, I I don't think the Bucks have enough, but I I just really like the Clippers team and like if they're like this is all predicated on health and all that stuff, but if the Clippers are healthy, like I think they're pretty not clearly, but I think they're maybe half a step above like the rest in terms of potential. Um, yeah, so I have them. Uh, MVP, I'm actually going Anthony Davis. Okay. Um, I think he's going to just kind of show out. And and I think they'll probably be, like, even though I cho- they're, like, fourth or fifth, I think, in my rankings, I think he's going to prove, like, otherwise. And I think he's going to show that there that he's really good and like the narrative is there for him yeah i think he was around like plus 600 or so so he's a nice kind of like mid-tier yeah so those are our picks uh so andrew thanks again for coming on thanks to the pod um hopefully you guys get to the end of this one but if you don't um we have a bunch of different other podcasts um that'll hopefully pique your interest and i'm really excited to finally watch some regular season games that we can actually do some analysis and watch and like react to some of the play, um, the actual playing of basketball. So thanks again, Andrew, for coming on and uh, be on the lookout next week for a couple of other podcasts. Premier League is back from international break, so we'll be talking about that as well and Manu struggles. So thanks again, guys.